Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Chamber 7, and this is WKPJV Radio. Tonight's going to be a very different kind of night. The country has been through quite a bit, and by the country, I'm including you, you and me. WKPJV Radio has done its absolute best to report as best as we can, to give everybody a voice on not just this subject, but a hundred other subjects. So I don't want anybody to feel excluded. If you have anything that you want to say tonight, just get it off your chest. That's the point of this evening. If it's in poetry form, if it's just you saying a few words, if it's, you know, just spouting off, it's fine. I'd like us to keep it down you know, to a reasonable amount of time so that we can give each person the opportunity to talk. We don't have a feature this evening. We were supposed to, but I'll explain a little bit about that later. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm your host this evening. I'm Chamber 7, poet, actor, model, yada, yada. Uh, But uh, tonight, radio host and human being, 
with a lot to say. That's kind of the reason why I decided to just have a show to give everyone out there an opportunity to kind of speak their mind. And I really, really want to say thank you to each and every single one of you who show up every week, uh, whether I have a show or not, who poke at me and say, hey, Sean, we having a show. Chamber 7, what's the deal? What are we doing next? Yada, yada, so on and so forth. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, It's been uh, a magnificent journey with every single one of you. But this past week has by far been one of the most interesting interesting times in our lives. And I, I really don't know what to say about it, to be honest with you. It's been it's been strange. Not only and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you know, happen to be one of those people that doesn't watch the news with uh race relations being at their most uh stringent, it it kind of feels like we're right on the edge of a race war. A lot of the kids today probably don't remember the Rodney King riots or, you know, things like that, Uh, but it was pretty bad. And with the recent tragedies that occurred with the loss of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, as well as those in the Latino community, and forgive me, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but... um, there have been tremendous loss of life, uh, lives uh, at the hands of authorities, and that has caused quite a bit of stir because a lot of people are starting to believe that it's individual, it's the it's the the authority of the cops altogether, and it's not. It's the individuals that wear the uniform, not the uniform itself. Um, And I'll explain that a little bit later. I just, you know, this has been a very trying time for myself as well. Um, I've had a lot on my mind for the past few months. But this kind of brought a lot of things to head and, and gave me a lot to think about. Made me wonder, um, what what am I doing and how am I contributing to the betterment of our society, so to speak, you know? So that's why I wanted to do this show, give everybody the opportunity to say what they wanted to say, do what they wanted to do, feel what they wanted to feel. And that's that's kind of how I wanted to do every single show that we've done. If you're new to this show and you're just now calling in for the first time and you're listening to me yammer and you're wondering what the hell this is about, let me just give you a, a quick explanation. We are WKPJV Radio. Um, I'm your host for the rest of the evening, Chamber 7. And as your host, uh, what we do is give you the opportunity to speak your mind. So if you would like to speak your mind and you call into the number 347-324-5487, all you have to do is raise your hand, and the and the way you do that is just by pressing the number one on your keypad. When you press that number one, only press it once, please. It will show me that your hand is raised, and while your hand is raised, it will tell me that you've got a few things that you'd like to share with us. Ah, I see your hand raised. Thank you so much. Um, I usually jibber-jabber for about a good 30 minutes, and hopefully I convey some messages to you that will spark conversation, that will invite you to come in and say some words, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, so Chamber 7, why why do you opt to call the show The Fallout? Well, it just so happens I'm glad you asked. 
I called the show The Fallout for one very simple reason, because the recent incidents that occurred on July the 5th and the 6th, if I'm not mistaken, because July 4th was a Monday and July 5th was a Tuesday. So, yeah, it was Tuesday. Um, the recent incidents that happened where uh, Mr. Alton Sterling was approached by police officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and was unfortunately gunned down, um, as well as the recent incident with Mr. Philando Castillo, he and his girlfriend were pulled over for an alleged broken taillight. And in the midst of those situations, um, police were involved. The authorities took it upon themselves to uh, open fire on these individuals, and neither one of the suspects uh, survived the shooting. Um, and it brought up a lot of, you know, of course, race wars. And then, unfortunately, just following after that, a peaceful protest in Dallas turned deadly when um, a young man allegedly decided to become a sniper uh, hopped up at a, a high point, started uh, shooting at police officers. Uh, the claim has been made that he said that uh, he wanted to kill as many white cops as possible, um, was not affiliated with anybody in particular, so on and so forth. Uh, the Black Lives Movement has been condemned for a lot of their actions, so to speak. Um, the All Lives Matter movement came out and said some things. Uh, the Blue Lives Matter came out and said some things. Um, we've seen several news reports. So when I say the fallout, I'm referring to uh, the unfortunate murder of of police officers. I am referring to the the number of news reports that have come out with falsehoods, with further information, with other information that have made things look even more sketchy. I'm referring to the um, the way race relations have drastically taken a turn. Uh, and some of the things that I've, the news articles that I've read, I, and by the way, to all of you who have emailed, text messaged, sent me anything with regard to this case, I really appreciate it. To all of you who were empathetic enough to understand that Chamber 7 as an empath, I kind of take on very heavy. So um, it was strange because I had a lot of conversations with people and they'd be like, hey, what's up? And I'd be like, and my instinctual attitude was, the fuck you mean is up? Like, do you not know what's going on? And then I had to remember, not everybody feels the way that I do. As a black man um, with a birthday coming up here very soon, at one point I felt really, you know, happy about, yeah, you know, I'm about to hit a, a landmark time in my life, so on and so forth. But then with these things, it made me feel like, should I feel lucky to be, have made it this far? Like, yeah, sure. I, I, I wasn't raised in, in, in a bad neighborhood and that kind of stuff. And, you know, my, my parents did a lot of things to put me in the best possible position. But, I mean, there's a lot of people who did all that, and somehow in the end they still ended up dead. So I'd like to kind of just go over a couple of ironies that I spotted and hopefully raise some awareness and, you know, bring some ideas to you as to what I kind of wanted to talk about. Let's start with a couple things. Um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, they discussed how, uh, you know, of course, we now we all know that um, Alton Sterling was approached by two police officers because they had a anonymous 911 call, which we later found out was a homeless man who was threatened by Mr. Alton Sterling, who happened to have a weapon on him 
apparently Mr. Alton Sterling uh, was illegally carrying that weapon. Uh, it was claimed that he was brandishing it and, and scared the man off. Uh, the police officers approached him. Uh, they then subsequently uh, turned around and, and demanded that he get on the ground at about the time when a bystander had started uh, recording the incident. They asked, they, they forcefully yelled at him to get on the ground repeatedly. He did not. Uh, one of the officers, who, uh, by the way, had their hands on their weapon, tackled him, threw him to the ground, shoved him up underneath what appeared to be a Toyota uh, Camry, uh, because I know cars, and um, got on top of him, told him to stop resisting. Uh, there, there, are, there are reports that the body cams that both of the officers were wearing became dislodged. Uh, there's also reports that him in the midst of it, they had his hands. Uh, they told him to stop resisting. Uh, they both, I think one or both of them pulled out their weapon, but I only saw one pulled out their weapon, shot him six times. Uh, he stopped and after that, they did find a weapon on him in uh, what appeared to be his right cargo pant pocket. Uh, they pulled it out after him. So that's just to kind of give you a, a gist of it. Now, uh, somebody was kind enough to send me a news article uh, back in May the 27th from CNN. Uh, it just so happens that a law was actually written into place just a few uh, before that that uh, – let me see, I'm trying to give you the, the best possible rundown of it without reading the whole thing because I posted it in there. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards signed a bill uh, that expanded the state hate crime statute to include the targeting of police officers, firefighters, and EMS personnel. I'm going to read that again. The Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards signed a bill back in May of 2016 that expanded the state's hate crime statute to include the targeting of police officers, firefighters, and EMS personnel. Now, listen to what he says next. Coming from a family of law enforcement officers, I have a great respect for the work that they do and the risks they take to ensure our safety, Edwards said on Thursday. This is, of course, back then, adding they deserve every protection that we can give them. Now, this is my first immediate reaction. That's odd. Uh, so are they the only ones that deserve every protection? Now, do police officers have a very risky job? Yes. Stuff like what happened makes it that much worse. I have the utmost respect for those who take their authority seriously. I have zero respect for those who abuse their authority. So I want to make this perfectly clear. It is not the stance of neither WKPJB Radio, of Chamber 7, of Sean Singletary, me personally. I am not of the stance that all cops are bad. Here's why. Because the same people who feel like all cops are bad are basically displaying the exact same attitude that the people who are looking at black people are saying all black people are bad. You're no different because you're indiscriminately attaching a stigma to a group of people for no reason whatsoever. Highly ironic that they signed a bill that turned it into a hate crime, and then all of a sudden a couple of cops decided, you know what, screw this guy, we're just going to kind of murder him. Now, this is my own personal opinion. You do not pump six bullets into somebody you have laying on the ground. You've probably heard me say this before. They pumped six bullets into him. As far as I'm concerned, that's fear. You're a pussy. You have a gun on a man who, yes, you heard he had a gun, 
but you didn't find it until after you murdered him. That's my opinion. Now, I know, but wait a minute, Chamber 7, we don't have all the evidence. Bitch, please, let's just be real. This is WKPJV Radio, show's rated R, so if you hear a couple flippant words come out of my mouth, guess what? Welcome to the show. Uh, we keep it real here. Say whatever you feel, and I'm going to do that. I saw the video. I'm not an idiot. Like, when we see surveillance tapes of, and I, I love the way uh, the guy on the Daily Show did it. He made very clear, you know, why do we always double, we, we double guess the things that we see when it's, you know, oh, you know, we, can put, we don't know, we don't have all the evidence, we don't know what's going on. Bullshit, I watched it. And, I mean, the evidence is clear. There was a black guy. They tackled him. I never saw him with the gun in his hand. You were on top of him. You had two people on top of him with him shoved up underneath the car, and you felt the need to shoot him. If you had a taser on your person, you should have just kept fucking tasing him. I, I don't understand. And, oh, by the way, if it was that bad, you got two cops. You got one person. I'm sorry. Who radioed for backup? Did anybody do that, or y'all just... I mean, if you were that fucking scared, somebody should have done some my personal opinion. Um, I would like to think that other police officers out there would have looked at that and been like, what the fuck? Like, we weren't taught to do that shit. Uh, I would have liked to have heard the Blue Lives Movement jump up when Eric Garner got strangled to death with an illegal chokehold that was written in the books as illegal. Uh, for them to have jumped up and said, no, this is bullshit, we weren't supposed to do that. That guy needs to go down. But instead, no conviction. And I believe that's where the problem lies. Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives, and, and now it brings me to my second uh, statement, and I'm going to bring in my caller, and then I'm going to you know, go on to some other things because I don't want to dominate the whole call with my, just my opinion. Uh, again, for those of you who called in, thank you so much for joining us. This is WKPJB Radio. If you got an opinion, make sure you press the number one on your keypad. Let me know you got something to say. Um, Let's just get to this next point. Uh, so my next point is, here's my problem. July 4th happened. Everybody had a great time. We had the day off. July 5th happened. Uh, Alton Sterling was dead. Uh, July 6th happened. It turned out Philando Castile was dead. We watched it on Facebook Live. It was bananas. My child even called me and said, Dad, it just happened again. Freaked me out. A few days later, the Dallas a Texas shootout occurred and five cops died and all of a sudden and please if somebody has any any view in opposition to what I'm about to say please feel free to show me the article or please feel free to bring the evidence because I walk into every discussion with the understanding I might be wrong so I am willing to be constructively corrected okay but why is it that July the 4th, we had a great time. July the 5th, somebody died. July the 6th, somebody died. July, I think the, the Dallas shootout happened July the 8th, but don't quote me on that. But we didn't hear anything from the All Lives Matter or the Blue Lives Matter group until the 8th. So here are just the basics. If All Lives Matter, where the fuck were you on the 5th when Alton Sterling died? I'll wait. Just the fact that you were absent on the 5th is the clear indication as to why Black Lives Matter even exists at all. Even better, Blue Lives Matter. Now, Chamber 7, why would you bring up Blue Lives Matter? Like, no cops died. No. 
but based on what they said, they felt like they were in danger on the 5th. Where the fuck were you at to say, yo, bro, I don't think you handled that particular call right. You are putting the rest of these police officers' lives in danger by showing a racist act and then turning around and say, or excuse me, I'm sorry, because I can't say it was racist. We, can't, we have no basis upon which we can say that the only reason they attacked him like that was because he was black. However, we can say that these police officers mishandled a suspect regardless of color, and now you are putting everybody else on defense against the other people. Like, you're, these cops made it look bad for other cops. So where are the Blue Lives Matter that stand up and say, yo, I don't think y'all did that right? I think that's the point that people have been trying to make. Okay, now for my next my, my next point. Um, I'm confused as to how we keep having this discussion about how people treat each other on a regular basis. Like it frustrates me. At the end of the day, I I don't feel like killing somebody indiscriminately is ever the answer. However. I'm not going to open my mouth to say violence is never the answer because usually the people who say shit like violence is never the answer have never been in a situation where violence is the only fucking answer, period. I want you to say that to me when somebody's got a gun to your child's head and you have a gun in your hand. You going to tell me violence ain't the answer? Shut the fuck up. That's all I'm going to say. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real. It has a place. It's not all the time. And it's unfortunate, uh, the most beautiful statement I heard somebody tell me before, and I don't, I, I don't know where they got the origin of this was, but they said that violence is the lowest form of communication. You are absolutely right. It is. It's the absolute lowest form of communication. It is one of the few forms of communication that every species understands. If you walk up to a dog and you smack it in its face, it understands that was a violent act. You hurt it. The pain center in the dog registers, this motherfucker just hit me. Very simple. Completely understandable. When a bear comes to attack you, what are you going to do? Tell it, hey, yo, come on now. Violence is not the answer. Because if that's the way you feel, you probably should have told Leonardo DiCaprio that shit in The Revenant. And maybe he wouldn't have got his back scratched up like that. You feel me? That's all I'm saying. All right, so. That's how I'm going to start it off. Uh, welcome to WKPJB Radio again. I'm going to bring in my first caller. The only one so far that's been brave enough to raise their hand and say anything, yes, I know the rest of you got some shit you want to say. Stop playing. Press the number one you'll keep playing and stop bullshitting right now. But let's start with the first brave one. 202-870, who we got on the line? Hey, it's Julie. <laughs> Julie in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, I can guarantee you right now, Julie is never afraid to display her opinion. So, uh... <laughs> If y'all got some shit to say, you better get it in right now because she about to fuck some shit up. What up? Been a minute. What's going on? How you been? I've been good. I've actually, I was on vacation from Friday to today. So it was kind of a weird day to go on vacation, but I would still be posting intermittently and such because, I mean, this has gotten me very upset for a number of reasons. I mean, I think I posted something when it first happened that probably – um, cause some people to, to defriend me, which is absolutely fine. Um, I hey, don't fuck care. That's what I say. Exactly, because, you know, there are some people that I try to, I mean, I posted something actually that I was tired of being diplomatic because it really got to a head this week for me because, you know, I'm white. And yep. um, 
I feel I feel certainly about a lot of things, and I feel yes. part of my role in all of this is to try to educate some of my people yes. who yes. Um, fail to understand what white privilege is, who um, yes. fail to step outside the narrow parameters of their own lives and their own experiences. And so sometimes I try to be diplomatic and I try to hear what they're saying while still trying to get across the message to them because since I'm not black, even though, I mean, I get very angry and I mean, like you, I mean, I am an empath. I feel things um, incredibly so, um, but I, even, even as much as I try to understand and I try to empathize, I can never understand. And I realize that I never will understand. So to me, I, I know how emotional I get. I can only imagine what it must be like for somebody to be black, right? So I always feel like I'm able exactly. to better explain to some of my people why people are feeling that way. But right. I really had it this week because I had two friends. One is um, an ex-boyfriend of one of my girlfriends. <clears throat> he lives in New York. And then um, mm-hmm. Another high school friend I haven't seen in years, he actually is, he's black and he's a, a country, like, country musician. He plays, um, I forget, the sax, but anyway, he travels with um, country music, um, so he's a black guy, and mostly he's been on the road with a lot of white people. So there were two separate instances that really got me fired up. Um, the one guy posted an article, and one of his friends just started saying just really hateful, hateful things, you know, about these people got what they deserve, blah, blah, blah. And then the friend got into it with me. And I was just, and then um, my friend said, you know, this is not the day to his friend. He's like, please don't say anything more. And this guy kept going and going and going. And it made me really angry. And then my other friend posted something um, on the days that, um, I think it was right before the cops were killed in Dallas. No, I think it was the day the cops were killed in Dallas. And he said, you know what? Why is it on my timeline when all these other things happen to Alton Sterling and to um, Mr. Castile? He's like, I don't hear anything from the white Christians. But today, white Christians, all of you are, you know, talking about um, sending prayers and such. And some people have right. nerve to tell him. And this guy, I haven't talked to this guy in years. And one of his, and some people have nerve to tell him, oh, why are you trying to make this divide? And why are you trying to do this? And why are you trying to do that? And then somebody else was like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I don't see that on my timeline. And, so, and I just went and said, how are you going to tell him what's on his timeline? Why don't you instead say to right. him, I can't even imagine, right. listen to what he's saying. He's saying as a black man, he is tormented. He is tortured right now. He is going through this. Stop and try to listen to what he is saying, you know, instead right. of telling him he's right. wrong. And how are you going to tell him what he sees on his timeline? You know, because I had other friends right. who said that too. They said, only three of my white friends said anything in my timeline today, and I kept hearing that from so many of my friends, you know, and it really, uh, <laughs> it really upset me. So, and I think this is, I mean, for me, it just shows mm-hmm. that some people still have not learned at all, and I think that's really, really, really no, frustrating. No, <laughs> no, and, and you know what's weird about that is the fact that. I find it, and it's a horrible fact, but I'm just now, after all these years of living, I'm starting to realize some people will just automatically refuse to see things from any other position but their own. Mm -hmm. And I instinctively have lived my entire life constantly trying to empathize with the way other people feel. 
constantly right. trying to put, uh, say, asking myself the question, okay, I was offended by what they did, but mm-hmm. let me take a moment to try to see it from their standpoint to at least get a general idea as to why they did what they did. Have there right. been people that have hurt me? Yes. Yeah. But then I have to ask myself the question, why did they hurt me? Oh, that makes sense because everybody else that looked like me, why they felt the need to hurt me. Right. Like it's it's very similar to like I'm gonna I'm gonna take this really strange. Now watch this. Okay. In nature, the butterfly has a specific pattern on its wing, and usually that pattern is like that so that it mimics a bigger animal which reduces its chances of being killed. What are you talking about? All right. Follow me on this thought pattern. Okay. Okay. Technically, the butterfly lies to people to protect itself. That's Mm -hmm. technically what it does. So I said all that to say a lot of times people will react first out of the instinct of protecting themselves from previous situations. The butterfly's wings are like that out of an evolutionary need to carry on its species. So Mm -hmm. humans, much like butterflies, will react to people angrily in an instinctual way of saying to themselves, I'm not going to let what happened to me happen again. Mm -hmm. Then they pass that same trait on to their kids and their children do it. Perfect example is the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, God. I still don't understand why it exists, but right. the, apparently the only reason are. it exists is because it's a cult of, of family members, and they just carry how, it on over and over it, again. How is it a church? How can you even, I mean, I, I can't, but continue, sorry. That's just... uh, well, it's simple. In, in, in my thought process, the reason it's a church is because they filled out the right paperwork. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong? Like, let's be, let's be realistic. That's, right. that's pretty much how it went down. Yeah. There are but people who succeeded from it and left out of it. Now, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, let's and, – and, now, all right, here's the, here's the other half of that. Are all Christians KKK members? No. No. But KKK members are supposed to be Christians. Christians. Yep. From my standpoint, that's what I heard, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it so difficult that when I hear – uh, people come out and say, oh, you know what I'm saying, we're not all the same. Well, that's funny. We've been saying the same shit to you the whole time. And by we, I'm talking about, like, minorities. Because let's right. not be remiss here, folks. Black people weren't the only ones that got killed up to this point. It's just that the race war with black people has been so evident for years because, I, I, I don't know, because of slavery or whatever it is, like, we don't talk about the, the American Indian people that have been murdered by cops. I even posted an article because here's the thing. I posted an article about a white kid who got murdered by the police. Mm-hmm. And here's the underlying thing. I'm not trying to start a it's us versus them race war. What I'm trying to say is there is something severely wrong in our authoritative process where it is okay for someone in authority to kill someone else and then just there's just no repercussion for it, which then makes right. the people who are supposed to be protected by that same group of people very nervous. And in turn, that should also make the ones who are good that are on the force, part of that process, that are part of that system, be nervous because now you have a whole general public 
who is not only afraid of you, but some of them are angry enough to shoot at you, like the Dallas, Absolutely. Texas shooting, right? Right. He gets a mess. And how many, how many of those cops were innocent and died? Right. Absolutely. That breaks but, my mean, heart. This is the one thing that gets me. I don't know if you saw this. Um, this was I posted this, and I know some. I saw some people posted as well. But there was um, the radio show where a cop called in, and uh, uh-huh. the radio host asked him about you. Know, basically, like why don't why don't cops call out other cops and such? And to me, that's that always was Peter been, Rosenberg. Yeah. Yes. Thank yep. you. I'm, I'm a little tired. Yep. I just got back. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, that's fine. I, I I know exactly which one you're talking about, and I that was the first time. I had ever heard Peter Rosenberg go off like that. Yes. And it made me, and because, because this is a thing for me. So in my field, which is um, counseling and therapy and such, we have a code of ethics, right? So mm-hmm. it's a code of ethics that we need to live by. And it tells us, you know, if you see somebody else in the profession, something we shouldn't be doing, there's a procedure that you follow and such. There are certain steps and certain things you do, okay? Um, ethics is also right. something in order. I haven't got my licensure yet, but when I get my licensure, you know, I have to get CEUs every year, and um, ethics is a big part of that. So right. when I posted that, I said, you know what? I don't get this because in my profession, if somebody is acting unethically, I'm definitely going to do something about it. I have a code of ethics, but also, first of all, it casts a pall on my profession. And secondly, it hurts the client if somebody's acting unethically. Okay? So I don't know why people seem to think that, Police officers are above reproach. Why? Why don't you call right. out somebody else? Why is why is it atta- why is calling out one person or saying that a police officer may have done something wrong? What is what is wrong with that? I don't get that. You know, I mean, we look. We can look at the Catholic Church. I'm a Catholic. We can talk about it. Before priests were above reproach, right? right. <laughs> they would move a priest to a different parish if there was a whisper of him being a pedophile or something like that. And look at all right. all of that cover up. Did did you see the movie Spotlight? I can't. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I I couldn't watch it because it's horrifying to me. That's my church, you know. Um, right. But people are not people are not above reproach, you know. There are people in all professions right. that are not perfect, and it shouldn't. It's sh- and it looks it's worse on the profession when people you don't call out the bad apples. Right. Um, I, right. I, and I don't. I don't. I don't get that. You know. I don't. And I. I don't know. It just it bothers me a lot. I, one, of my, one of the favorite memes that you posted up just recently, I see the one that you posted of Jesus, and it says where Jesus is sitting up and he's looking down on the people and he says, blessed are the poor. And then somebody in the congregation goes, blessed are all lives, Jesus. Like that's a perfect yeah. rendition of what we're talking about. Like that's exactly that's- what we're saying. Yeah, I get it. All lives are blessed. I get it. But the rich people are a little bit more blessed than the poor people, so I'm trying to bless them to get us all equal because we're not equal. Like that was the whole Mm -hmm. purpose of the Black Lives Matter movement in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now you've got people jumping on the bandwagon saying, oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter, and then they're doing dumb shit. And then now they're saying, oh, well, everybody's wrong now. You know, all this Black Lives movement, yeah, they're all wrong. What? Right. Because of the spot. Now, get this. Here's the part that gets me. I'm sorry. Here's the part that gets me. Same thing with the, the same thought process I just gave you a second ago. All Christians are not KKK members, but all mm-hmm. KKK members are supposed to be Christian, right? So right. Now follow mm-hmm. me on this process. All right, so you're telling me, well, you know, saying all cops are not bad, okay, yeah, but these five are. 
So if you want us to follow that same thought process, okay, fine. Well, all black people aren't bad either. So this group over here that is bad, you can take care of them. There are black people that kill people. There are brown people and white people that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what's frustrating is that we always want to, we, we're muddying the waters with an argument that has nothing to do with the problem. Well, that's, that's, this is what infuriates me. And this is the, I repost, I posted what I wrote. My, I think this was the second thing I wrote, um, yeah, I think, I after yeah. um, the Philando Castile thing. But the first thing that I wrote was that day mm-hmm. was, um, was about how people respond to this. And, and it's always something, it's always a comparison, right? I commented, mm-hmm. um, my cousin wrote something that was great the other day, and I commented on that. And then his cousin from the other side said something about, what about white men in sport vehicles? And I was like, why are you bringing that up right now? Has there, have there, has that, have several of those happened this week? Why does it always have to be a comparison and think about, well, something else happened to you too? You know, like people talk about, you know, if somebody, it, it's like somebody runs into a funeral and all these people are mourning, and then you run and you didn't know the person, but you go, I too have felt pain, you know? And it's just, I'm, right, I'm tired right. of those comparisons. And I'm also tired of, I, first of all, can't stand the term black on black crime. I told yeah, I said, I said my page, if anybody brings that up today, please have a seat. Because you know what? There's black on black crime. There's white on white crime. There's Asian on Asian crime. Because statistics will show you people generally kill people they know or people that live within close, close proximity to them. So guess what? With the way our right. neighbors are set up, those are most likely going to be people that look like you. And right. but it's always it's always brought up, and it's it's ridiculous. But the people still like, want to bring well, that up. Well, the frustrating part to me is, why does it matter that it's black on black crime? Like, I thought crime was bad regardless of who it was against. Like, does suddenly black on black crime have a heavier weight than like white on black crime or? black on white crime? Like, is it more okay for a black person to kill a white person than it is for a white person to kill a black person? Like, no. Well, you know what? And I'm going to tell you something. When, when, white people, when white people bring it up, I'm going to call it out right now. As a white person, it's racially tinged when people say that. And sometimes it's outright racist. Because you know what they're saying? Oh, they're all killing each other anyway. Why does it matter if a cop kills one of them too? They need to worry about their own problems. And because there are so many people, I mean, I even had somebody comment the other day, again, this is on someone else's page, this is not a friend of mine, and if they were, they would no longer be a friend of mine. He was like, everything, all of these, none of these things would happen if people just complied. If they just complied, it's really easy. It's not a big deal. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, were you at all of these crimes? Do you know all of these people? Were you, were you there with Philando Castillo? Were you there with his, his girlfriend and his girlfriend's daughter when that happened? Do you know about any of this? It's just really frustrating that people really believe that. I'm so, I'm so glad that you brought that up just now. Because here's <laughs> my next thought as far as that's concerned. Mm-hmm. I, with regard to problem solving, because for those of y'all who don't know, that's literally what I've been doing, like, all my life. Like, Problem solving is my entire existence. And the easiest way to solve a problem is to first and foremost get it down to its bare metal. Take away all the excess stuff and just get down to the basics. Here are the basics. There were three human beings in that vehicle. And of all the things that you are supposed to do as somebody in authority, it's protect 
the child. I I don't yeah. care about color or race or creed. I don't give a shit if it was a Hispanic cop or a black cop full with and, and it was a Mercedes Benz that they pulled over and he shot into that car. There was a four-year-old in the back seat in the direction that you were firing a weapon, and you didn't fire it once. You fired four fucking times. Once Mm -hmm. for every year of that child's life. Yep. I don't care who you are. I don't give a shit what you say about the the record. There is no possible way you can tell me that isn't child endangerment when he fired into that vehicle with a human being and a child in the back seat. No way possible. And you know what? That child will never come back for that. She will never come back from that. And you know what baffles me about that? If you you listen to the entire thing, I think it was nine minutes long when I heard the whole thing. Because because what really baffled me was they got her out of the car. They had their guns drawn like she shot at them. Yeah. They made her walk back. They handcuffed her. Now, I get it. I know it, law enforcement is probably hearing it right now saying, well, you know, that's what we got to do in order to protect ourselves. Standing there, and all of them had guns. Y'all just shot and into my, a car with a child in it. I'm still confused. And that, Please and her mother, don't give me that. Her mother was there. Especially when. Stopped. Her mother was traumatized. Uh-huh. I mean, she was so calm. I mean, first of all, that moment is a picture of grace. But also, I mean, she was in shock, and she was she had been traumatized, and I mean, just listening well, to that little girl's voice. Here's my non-professional opinion. I don't oh. think that when he got shot, I don't think she ever, like, one, I, I agree, she wasn't shot. Mm-hmm. But two, I don't think she ever thought he was going to die. Yeah. Because you I, heard I her. I really you think she say, felt she like, said, yeah, because you heard her dead. say, you know, she, they shot his arm she off. Didn't and, want to believe it. and she said it very she didn't calmly. Want to believe it. And, yeah. Yes, and then when she said, please don't tell me he's, he's dying like that, and then later on, yep. she lost it. But then you yep. hear the child in the background go, it's okay, Mommy, I'm here. It's okay, Mommy, yep. But that's because I earnestly believe that, like, the child wasn't crying or screaming or anything like that. Okay, yep. get it completely. Now, I, I, for the cops that were there, I completely understand. You follow protocol. You don't know what happened. You showed up. For all you know, your fellow officer is giving you the impression that the person in the car, like, might have pulled out a weapon or something like that, and that yeah. is the only reasonable reason as to why he fired in the car. So I just want to make this correction. I completely understand. I I have no fault for the other police officers that were there. They had no idea what was going on. For all they know, well, the ones that, the ones that he just pulled out a weapon. Scene, but, how, but how ridiculous did that look when you see the gun pointed in the car of the guy who just shot her boyfriend, and she's there, and her little girl is there. How ridiculous! Because she's such a threat at that point. That well, I mean, let's let's be so realistic. We, I'm sure the police officers have seen now, and, and this is me playing devil's advocate here. I'm okay. sure the police officers have seen crazy shit, where like even the ten year old shows up with a shotgun because that's what his drug dealer father has taught him to do. I get it. I completely get it. But this ain't that fucking scenario. Yeah. That's not what happened. No. That's yeah. like. And here, all right, so here's the other baffling part to me, because mm-hmm. you brought it up, and I just want to make sure I, 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 I make sure it's clear. Yeah. Uh, so almost in a nasty string of irony, as if it were purposely orchestrated, on July 5th when Alton Sterling was shot and killed, 
the first thing that a lot of people said, and I'm just saying a lot of people because guess what? There were blacks and whites saying it too. But he should have mm-hmm. just complied. The very yeah. next fucking day, yeah. pulled over for a broken taillight. Let me see your license and registration. Now, first things first, why did he tell me to put my hands up? I ain't never been pulled over for a traffic violation and been asked to put my hands in the air, ever. Mm-mm. And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm real on the show, right? I drive fast as shit. I'm not going to lie. I always have, <laughs> but I'm a damn good driver, and I know that for a fact. And I'm not just for saying that to be facetious. I, I know for that for a fact. I know okay. for a fact, okay? I'm a okay. damn good driver. But I drive, and I drive fast. I do. Um, but here's the catch. I when I get pulled over, I you know I do exactly what I'm supposed to do. I put my hands up on the steering wheel. I understand the police officer has a job to do. I get it. I let them know every move I'm doing. Philando Castile, based on the accounts that the girlfriend everybody said, and 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 I'm, and I'm gonna give you a really key piece of the evidence that I noticed based on whatever little psychology I know. Apparently, they told him to put their hands up in the air. Philando Castile said, sir, I have a concealed carry license. I own a weapon. It's on my hip, but I am reaching for the identification you asked me to reach for. That's the way where it was described to us. As soon as he went to reach for it, four bullets. Now, here's the problem. Why did you feel the need to put four bullets into the person that was obeying the order that you gave them? That's one. Right. Two, if you anybody who watched the video, if you were brave enough to watch the video, if you watched it, you would have noticed that the cops started screaming at her as if to try to explain to her and convince her, I told him to get his hands up. No, you didn't. You told him to get his ID. Right. right. Like, and otherwise, hear, why the fuck you hear, you over? You hear the cop keep screaming, fuck, fuck. He knows he, he fucked up. Oh, he knew he fucked up. He knew he, knew he, fucked, he fucked up. I mean, you hear that. And I mean, here's how I know I that. It, I here's how I know that. <sighs> let, me, let me just yeah. tell you this. Here's how I know that. I'm going to give you a scenario. Somebody breaks in my house, and I shoot him square in the face with shotgun. Like, he's got my child in his hand or something like that, or they've done something that's clearly obvious. Yo, you fucking mm-hmm. up. I gave you a chance. I'm going to have to put some holes in you. I put some holes mm-hmm. in you. I'm sorry, but... I don't have a feeling of regret. Fuck you might right. come out of my mouth. Right? Right. Like, all right, I might have a little bit of remorse if it was like a, a 15-year-old kid or some shit or right. mistaken identity or some shit. That's but why I would have remorse. You were defend- but if, but if I know I ain't fucked up. Defending yourself. Hell yeah. Yeah. So what's he hollering fuck no. for? And that should inspire a lot of confidence for me and that particular law enforcement officer. You know, it's like, it's like you shouldn't be shooting a gun. It reminded me of, like, the guy who shot Samir Rice, you know, in my hometown of Cleveland. You know, he was somebody who, who shouldn't even have been on the Cleveland police force. You know, like, he had gotten bad ratings and such and recommendations and everything, yet he was still put out there. I don't want people out there that are scared. You know, you shouldn't be handling a gun. Like, first of all, I don't like guns, Okay. I'm afraid of them for a number of different reasons, okay? But I would never go and take a job where I would be handling one, okay? Because I know that that's not what, you know, I'm good at. So, I mean, that was just, I mean, I can see, I mean, that video I saw a number of times. 
just going over things and trying to, you know, ensure that I realized what was going on. Because first I was like, who was saying fuck like that? Then I was like, that's the police officer, you know, because mm-hmm. he knows that he messed up. And in terms of the broken that's taillight, right. do you mean to tell you something about a broken taillight? And this is what I try to explain to people when they're trying to explain the difference in terms of me with a broken taillight. I have one still. I've had a broken taillight, I think, for maybe a couple years now. I was in 7-Eleven on South Capitol Street, which is near where I live in D.C., and this is, you know, it's it's somewhere, you know, where I go in, and there was um, a cop who was in there one night. I had had my dog out in the car, and uh, it was, don't worry, it was not too hot. The window was down. She was fine. But anyway, um, I went in there for a minute, and there was a, a white cop in there, and he was checking me out and looking at me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Got what I needed. Left. He gets on his motorcycle, and I turn the corner, and he um, pulled me over. And I'm like, oh, my God, first of all, my tags were expired. I'm like, oh, God, it's really going to happen tonight. Right. No, guess what happens? Right. He comes over, knocks on my window, I roll it down, and uh, he was like, oh, hi, how are you? Flirts with me, tells me my dog is adorable, never asks me for my license or registration, nothing, doesn't notice that my tags are severely expired, and then says, oh, by the way, you have a taillight out. Get that fixed. That was it. Two months later, I was at a light, and I noticed a a police car behind me. The guy got out of his car, came and knocked on my window and said, just wanted to let you know you have a taillight out. That's me as a white woman in Washington, D.C. That's how that's handled. Wow. Wow. And and there you have it, plain and simple. It's still not fixed, by the way. (laughs) Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, and, no, that, and and it, it just it scares me. It and it scares me. And and by the way, I just want to make this clear, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I have, I have been pulled over for speeding before. But here's the the one interesting fact about Chamber Seven when I'm speeding. There's usually nobody else on the fucking road. So before you go judging a brother, just want to let you know that <laughs> usually nobody else there. Two o'clock in the damn morning, and I haven't, as far as my accident record, it's impeccable because I have a car that's sitting outside in years, zero accidents on it, knock on wood, 300,000 miles, and I'm proud to say no issues. So I just want to point that out. Just want to say that. Um, but not to stray too far away from the point, uh, yeah, we got some of the people in here saying that you need to get that fixed, and like immediately, because. We don't want you to, to, to. We don't want you to get hurt, and and I agree with I agree with our caller absolutely. But yeah, um, let's you know let's let's be real about this, people. There is a glaring problem, and we need to take race off of it. We need to take we need to look at this from a very clear standpoint. There's a problem, and in some ca- in in a lot of cases, it's not a matter of black versus white. It's a matter of authority gone wrong, gone. Horribly wrong. A lot of people, like for in tops of being trained, if the person is nervous, they've probably done something wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, homie, I don't know if you knew this or not, but most of us don't fucking like you. I'm probably nervous because of that. You ever thought about that? Like half the time, mm-hmm. I, don't even I remember one time I was in Jersey, right? And by the way, I absolutely love. Like, I've got cop friends, and we're cool as shit, and I love real cops who understand basic stuff like, you know, 
all of us are most likely breaking a law we don't even know about. Guy knocks on your window, yo, you got a broken taillight. Some people might not even know the taillight didn't work. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in Jersey, right? I went to my homeboy's house, hanging out with him and his family. Funny, because the way my brain works, if I look at something long enough and I repeat it over and over again, I'll remember it. And it's stuck in my head, at least for at least a, a, a couple of days, right? Okay. Um, well, of course, Chamber 7, because I'm a poet, right? Uh, so here's the funny thing. I'm driving down the street. I'm leaving their house late at night, and it's in New Jersey. I'm going so slow because I don't know where I am, and Jersey is like, it's it's like this huge labyrinth of Jersey barriers all over the place. And I'm like, I don't want to mess up my car, and I don't know where I'm going. There ain't that many streetlights, so I'm driving slow, right? I think the speed limit was like 35. I'm doing like 25, 30, right? I mm-hmm. get pulled over. The white female police officer walks up. So yeah, for going too slow. The white female <laughs> police officer walks up to my car, uh, almost textbook-like, hands on pistol and everything. How you doing this evening, sir? Uh, Ask the registration. And now, mind you, I know for a fact of the 150 million times that I know I've been flying on the street, I wasn't speeding this time, so I don't have any idea why she stopped me. Mm-hmm. She pulls me over. She says, you know, um, uh, where are you headed tonight? And I said, I'm just now leaving my friend's house. And I distinctly remember I spouted off the entire address because I had just looked at it like 15 times, right? Mm-hmm. So then she's asking me a bunch of questions. While I'm talking to her, here comes another cop car. Wow. What is going on? Right. Now, I, now, officers that are listening, I completely understand. There's nothing wrong with having more backup. I get it. You don't know what's about to happen for a car that's going too slow. I could be impaired. Something could be wrong. Makes perfect sense. This is a, a, a and no, no disparaging comments against white female cops or anything like that, but this is a single white female cop that was in her car by her, calling for backup. No problem. I get it. Hey, no, hey, I'm on my way. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I've never, the only time I've ever had any backup come when I've been pulled over is when there's been a black male in the car with me. Wow. Yep. Wow. I'm just putting that out there. Which, and you which know the leans the towards one the specific car? thing, though. What? And I hate to say this, but until somebody mm-hmm. proves me wrong, in every single one of these situations, the only reason they did it is because they were afraid. Yeah. Because, you know what? I got pulled over one time when I was driving an old station wagon to my parents, and I got pulled over by a cop, and it was late at night. And I told this story before, but he laughed when he got to the door because guess what? He didn't, um, he didn't expect it to be me driving in that part of Cleveland late at night. It was right. like he was re- to relieve to find me behind the wheel. But you know what? That car that had the expired tags when I told you about, I drove that around mm-hmm. for a long time without getting pulled over. My boyfriend at the time, this is a few years ago, who's a tall, dark-skinned black male, about 6'6", he drove the car mm-hmm. for five minutes. He dropped me off somewhere, rode around the block, and guess what? He got pulled over. Lights. Right. We were out Almost of Virginia. Instantly, right? Yeah, we were right. out in Virginia. Almost I was instantly. like, what's taking him so long? Called wow. him. Wow. Not picking up. Yep, he got pulled over. Yep. Jeez, man. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I, you know, and, and that's, that, that baffles me. Jules, I'm going to put you on hold here. I see I got another Absolutely. caller who was brave enough to raise their hand. I got two more, as a matter of fact. Yep. So 
Um, stay with right. us. We got more questions okay. and answers, so stick around. All right, All thanks, right. ladies and gentlemen. That was Jules who comes on in and, and checks in with us on often occasion. Uh, mental health professional uh, has been on several of our shows. Uh, if you ever have an opportunity to listen to a lot of our other previous shows, make sure you check those out. Uh, wonderful contributor not only on uh, the show but also on uh, Facebook and so on, so make sure you check out a lot of the things that she has to say. For those of you who are just calling in, this is WKPJV Radio. I'm your host, Chamber 7. If you are listening to us via streaming this evening, we really appreciate you for listening in. Uh, I'm sure some of y'all are cooking dinner, trying to get some things done. I completely understand. Unfortunately, you're only allowed to stick around with us until 1030 because at that time the streaming is going to stop. So if you got, if you want to stick around with us, make sure you go ahead and put your earbuds in, keep doing what it is you're doing. Call into the number 347-324-5487, and then press the number 1 on your keypad to let me know you got your hand raised and you got something you want to share with us. We would really appreciate to hear your opinion. Tonight's whole purpose is to give you the opportunity to vent some shit. If you are a white person and you are sick of hearing about black people, do not be allured away. Feel like this. You have the right to your opinion. I'm not going to bite your head off. I want to give you the opportunity to speak your mind just like everybody else. Now, that's not to say that I'm not going to say, okay, I disagree with you, but I give you the option to speak your mind. Because guess what? I spent 10 years in the United States Navy to give us all that freedom. That's perfectly fine. I completely understand that. I want you to come on the show with facts and say, hey, look, Chamber 7, I feel this way. Thanks. I appreciate you being brave enough to come on the show and spit facts. But don't be spewing hate here. That's all I'm asking. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in our next caller, 540-455. Thank you for waiting ever so patiently. Who do we have on the line? Hey, Chamber, it's Mimi. How are you? What's up, Mimi? What's cracking? <laughs> Not much. This is a great uh, a great idea for a show. I dig it. Uh, I, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just want to make sure I'm not remiss. Uh, this is popular and uh, expansive uh, spoken word artist, uh, Mimi, Just Me. Uh, if you have not had the opportunity at your next village convenience, whenever you got the chance, you have got to check her out. Powerful, powerful speaker, amazing, amazing artist. Always a pleasure to hear her honest opinions about things. And if you haven't had the chance to listen, I'm going to give her the opportunity to tell us more information about the radio show that she does every Sunday, which is also amazing as well. But she gives you the opportunity to speak your mind just as well as I do. So, Mimi, what's the word? How you been? Um, I'm good, man. I'm 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 learning to um, in, engage in self-care. You know, sometimes when we're so um, wrapped up in in Everything that's happening in the world, it's easy to forget to take care of self. Um, so lately, you know, it, it was a shock to me because um, I'm really like, I, I've watched the videos of, you know, where they call out the names of people who've been killed and, and I know every last one of them. And I don't just know their names, like know where they're from and I know who their family members are. Like I get really involved and invested. And so it was kind of shocking to me when, Alton Sterling was killed that I just kind of shut down. I just, I guess that was the straw that broke the camel's back for a while. So I had to learn to um, kind of pay attention to what enters my spirit, um, pay attention to my limits. You know, my limits might not be the same as someone else's limits, um, but I have to know when, when I've had too much and when I need to take a break and when I need to be silent and when I need to just listen uh, and when I need to speak. Um, and so that's been a very interesting lesson from Big Mouth Mimi, who always has something to say. <laughs> mm, I hear you. I hear you. I know it. I know it. 
been quite a, a, and, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'm learning yeah. that. Like that. Oh, there was even some guilt that came with it because I'm just like, you should be, you should be speaking, you should be, you know, yelling, you should be screaming from the rooftops. But I realize that I've got, yeah. you know, really strong people in this fight with me who can do it when I can't. Um, you know, you, Julie. Yeah. You know, I, I see people on the internet waking up. You know, people who were sometimes silent. Come on, man. Don Lemon is even speaking up. <laughs> Don right, Lemon. Right, 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 right. Up. I think we need to take a step break. But um, exactly. but I still like. I, I feel a bit rejuvenated. Um, I'm angry again, which is actually a good feeling instead of feeling sad or dejected. Um, I'm angry, and and I'm. Um, I'm angry to the point that I'm starting not to give a fuck what anybody else, um, you know, has to say or think if I feel like what they're saying and thinking, um, plays a role in, in the oppression of, of people, you know, any, any group, if, if you're about oppression, fuck you. Like that's where I'm at. Um, I'm unapologetic about it. No longer explaining shit to people who have the same resources I do. If you can get on Facebook and spout your ignorance, then you can Google search and do some damn reading. Um, right. So, like, you know, I was the person that was, oh, no, but it's like this, but but you don't understand. Like, now I'm like, fuck it. If you don't understand, too bad. You know, like, we're tired of begging to be treated like people. We're tired of that. Right. I'm tired of, of right. begging and explaining and, you know, crying away and pleading to be treated like a goddamn human being. I shouldn't have to do that. So yeah. um, while I hear you guys, you know, greatly when you say, you know, it's not a race thing, it's an authority thing, I agree with that to only a certain degree because if it really were just about authority, why don't we see more white men being killed by police officers? Why don't we oh, no, see no, no, more white men? It is about authority. Now, I'm agreeing with you to an extent. It, it, you're right. But here's, I, you know what? Damn it. It's almost like you and I already talked about this. If you don't mind me cutting you off very briefly, let oh, me no, tell you why. Not. not too long ago, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but on CNN, and I don't know why the fuck they use this dude as, the go-to guy for any type of criminality uh, diagnosis. But former NYPD detective Harry Hoke comes on there and basically says mm-hmm. to everybody on there, oh, well, black people are prone to criminality. And mm-hmm. brings out this statistic sheet, right? This was going to be my next point. Thank you, Mimi, for warming up the engine for a brother, because here's <laughs> what I want to ask everybody. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are the type of person who is easily offended, get the fuck off of my show because this ain't the place for that, okay? <laughs> Grow up, all right? So here we go. If you don't understand how statistics are gathered, stop using right. them for factual information to back up the bullshit that comes out your mouth, okay? Exactly. Don't tell me, oh, well, you know, 85% of the crimes are committed by black people. Well, some bitch, if y'all are basically parking the police cars in the black neighborhood, yes, most of the criminals you're going to catch are going to be black. Exactly. Is there anything else I need to say to that? Well, only 4% of them are white. Those were the ones who happened to wander into the black neighborhood. 
Dumbass. You can't sit here and give me statistics and throw them in my face and expect me to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's all black people. No, jackass. You can't tell me you are parking your car up there on the nicer side of town all the time like you ain't patrolling the streets down here. But all right, granted, you're right. In the ghettos, there's more crime. But please don't tell me you got 10 cop cars on the white side of town and 10 cop cars on the black side of town. That's bullshit. I don't believe you. I'm pretty sure you got 40 cop cars sitting in this side of town and one cop car over there, and he's probably having drinks and tea with the senator for five and a half minutes to switch places mm-hmm. with the dude who's down here on the black side of town. Don't use the statistics. He literally said on national television on CNN and had the audacity to say, oh, black Americans are more prone to criminality. Or actually, Mark Hill came on there and said, wait, right. be careful what you're saying because it sounds like you're saying this. And he goes, well, it's true. And then he had to back off of it and say, well, wait, that's not really what I'm saying. You just said it five seconds ago, and Mark Hill went the fuck off. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I posted it in there so you can check it out for yourself. So mm-hmm. to your point, I did see mm-hmm. so you see what I'm saying? I agree with you to an extent, but I think it is a matter of authority because of the fact that the authority is being directed in the wrong place. Oh, I get that. And, and I'm not saying it's not a matter of authority. My point, though, okay. is, you know, like I hear people saying, well, it's not a race issue. It's a police issue. No, it's a racist police issue because these police aren't killing ah, whites. At the, yep. They're killing blacks. Yep. That's my point. Yep. Yes, it's authority. It's all about us challenging their authority. If we kowtow and bow down and, and try to be, you know, as sweet as can be, yeah, nine times out of ten, they'll appreciate that. And, and they won't take your life, probably. But but at the right. end of the day, they're not, even for whites who have been belligerent to them, they've got videos, you can Google it, there are, white, there are videos of white people threatening police officers, raising weapons at them, fighting them, and yet they're somehow arrested peacefully and taken to prison versus losing their life on the sidewalk. So that's the racial element that I think we have to be very real about in this country, and a lot of people don't want to admit that. They don't want to see that. If this were happening to to both races, um, at at you know at the same rates, then then or or I should say all races, because I don't want to erase. Uh, Latinos and Native Americans who are also killed at extremely high rates in comparison to white Americans. So, you know, but but if it was across the board, it'd be authority, you know? Right. Now, all right, so get this. I want you to hear this because this this is the part that frustrates me too. They're saying, oh, you know, black people are so dangerous. In Raleigh, North Carolina, a white man actually shot at a cop and somehow they subdued him and took him to jail. Exactly. I'm going to repeat it one more time for those who weren't listening. Mm-hmm. A white male shot, pulled trigger, bullet exited, muzzle of gun at a cop and was actually subdued and taken to jail. Mm-hmm. For the police officers that were there, I commend them. Only if they would have done the same thing if he was black. Mm-hmm. That's what they're supposed to do, and I think that's the part that, that people don't you know, we're not asking that that black people be given a pass. Nobody's saying that. If I, if Alton Sterling was was breaking the law, um, you know, out there on that in front of that store, then then fine, arrest him and take him to jail. Yes, fine. We're not trying to avoid, um, you know, the, the penalty of breaking the law. We're trying to avoid the death sentence for petty crimes and for for no crimes. Right. 
That's what we're talking about. And I don't think enough people um, are willing to just accept that and, and, and understand that that's the issue. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, all cops are bad. And like you said, neither are all blacks. And and, and to, to speak on that issue, yep. my problem with that, that um, I guess, ideology of, of, you know, there are some great cops, I agree. I just wish I could hear from them. I'm just not impressed by cops who are silent. If you have, on my job, if there's somebody who's constantly fucking up on the job, making the job harder for everybody around them, we hold that person accountable, no? So I'm not understanding where the good cops are. Why are they silent? If you really are a good cop, I would think that you would be appalled by what you see instead of being silent and pretending to see nothing. So at this point, the distrust in this country is so high, not just because we see what, black, what the bad cops do, but because we also see what the good cops don't do. All right, so I'm, I'm going to speak on that from this standpoint as a, um, as a veteran. There is a blue wall of silence that we always hear about, right? Hmm. And this is this is my effort to try to kind of understand. There was one police officer who stood up. I don't know if anybody remembers this young lady. I think her name was Nakia Jones down there in Louisiana who, like, she was basically <laughs> screaming into it. And, and, and I get it. As some, one of my other uh, friends had told me, you know, they didn't appreciate the way that she displayed her message. Though her message had some validity, it was very out of control, and it should have been done in a better way. But I think she did it out of frustration. So I kind of understand, mm-hmm. but I also understand when my friend said, you know, maybe it'd been best if she had kind of displayed it in a more uniform and uh, controlled manner. But she was frustrated. Um, but with regard to that blue wall of silence, here's the fear I think that they, they have. The cop joins the force with the intent of protecting the neighborhood that he's been living in for the past 10 years. Uh, gets his first day. He's, he's got his ride along. Uh, he has a decent partner who teaches him everything. Uh, that partner retires. He gets another partner. Now he's the senior person. And he's, you know, dealing with these person. Now the new person that he's got with him, you know, uh, it, they probably got some tenure too and they're chit-chatting on, on the drive and so on and so forth. The fear is if I speak out against the cop, no matter whether they're good or bad, because it's kind of like a, almost like a fraternity. And anybody who's on this call that's a police officer, law enforcement, knows somebody who's in law enforcement, please speak up. I don't want to see if I can, I don't want to speak out of turn here. But I, I, I believe the fear is one day there's going to be a shootout. And I don't ever want to have to call for backup and wonder if the people that I spoke out against are my only backup and they're going to use that as a reason to wait one second longer. I get that. That's the fear. I, I, you see what I'm saying? So you, I, under, I understand I just, why they would hesitate to say something, but at the same token, it's still not helping. Because this is my issue then, Seven. If that's the case, if that is really a legitimate fear, why would you want to work in, in that profession? Why would you want to work somewhere where doing the right thing could cost you your life? And I get that they have families to feed, and I, I get all of that. But at some point, this fight is going to, is going to require all of us making some sacrifice. And if, right. you can't do, if you can't 
perform your duties properly because you fear that the, the bad cops are so powerful that they will retaliate and risk your life, you should probably run the fuck away from that job. So I get it, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm not trying to pretend yeah. like, oh, it's a perfect world and, and everybody can afford to walk out on their job. But if you're not planning something, if you're not working towards getting the hell out of there, if you're content to say, oh, well, I just have to be quiet because that's all, like, then you're a part of the problem. And so then you can't speak up and say, I'm a good cop because you're not. Because you're allowing the people around you to take lives. Like, like this, isn't, this isn't me knowing somebody stealing out of the coffee room, the supply closet. You know what I mean? Like, in that case, hey, I might just shut up because this is my own fault. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's coffee paper and posters. Who cares? These are lives, right. though. No, these are people right. being taken yeah. from their families. So that, that concerns me. Um, the silence, like, you know, there's a, there's a I guess, a, an expression going around now that says silence is violence. In this day and age, if you're not speaking up, if you're not saying something, whether you're a police officer, a politician, an everyday citizen, like you're complicit in the violence that's happening. Um, And I think we all have to really take a look at what our personal responsibilities are. I, I get, like I have cop friends, you know, one of my, one of my friends, who I love dearly, just had a baby. Like, I get it. He has a life and a family that he has to worry about and protect. But I know he's making moves to get the hell out of the police force because he sees what it is. And so that, that's right. what I guess I would say would be my advice, is that if that's the fear that you have, get out as soon as you can. Right. I know it's not, you know, going to happen overnight, but but soon. Get the hell out because that's horrible. Uh, um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you something really quick that that um, that kind of goes along those same lines very briefly. Uh, it's one of the reasons, as a black officer, that did not bite my tongue when there was shit that pissed me off. That I mm-hmm. never went out on the out on the outer decks of the ship at night. And that's horrible. Um, I'm being completely honest with you. I, I spent I yeah. spent four years on bat on, on on destroyers, and I absolutely loved it because destroyers are like. We're we're the balls as far as I'm concerned. We're the ones who protect the aircraft carrier. We, you know, we do a lot of, of function. We're amazing. They're very powerful. They're very the one the last one I was on was very very fast. Um, but I I had this fear that if I ever fell off this ship, nobody come get me. That's a shame. That's a shame. And and and, because, and, that, and you know what? It doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be you don't get me at all, but just the hesitation to get me right, for a the, second the, to get me killed. The officer, yeah, it would be long enough for me to lose my life. Correct. That's horrible. Correct. Well, I know you have other right. callers. I did want to spit a poem, though, before we go, if that's yes, okay please. with you. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And this yes, is, yes. I, I, am a, I am a black poet, and so this is what some might consider my obligatory Black Lives Matter poem, but... Um, when I wrote it, Lord knows every bit of my soul is in it. So um, I hope that, you right, know, right. I wrote this. The sad thing is, is I wrote this um, last year <laughs> um, when Eric Garner was murdered. That's That was the straw last year. And here I am over right, a year right. later reading the same poem, and it has even greater significance. So I'm just going to spit this for you, and then I'm going to get off your line. All right. I try not to get discouraged, but that's easier said than done. 
because I'm watching my people slain one by one. It weighs heavy on an already overburdened heart. I don't know whether to cry, pray, or just tear shit apart because I'm tired of fighting this same damn fight. I'm tired of the victims being black and the officers being white, yet folks keep saying it ain't about race. Swearing that although they look right into my pretty brown face, they don't see color. Because all that matters is what's within. It's funny, though, how it's only those with brown skin who keep dying. I think somebody's lying, and it's not hard to figure out who. It's some of these overzealous, trigger-happy, power-hungry, wannabe God, arrogant-ass bastards in blue. And, of course, there are good cops, but they are far too few in number. Or they're silent. Complicit in the violence, they're hidden behind that blue wall, too. We need them to speak up, but not enough of them do, so it feels like we're in this shit alone. Folks are more concerned with losing businesses and, um, I'm sorry, and commuting times than the loss of the lives of countless black men. It's like we have to fight for our civil rights all over again, the right to walk down the street while keeping our hands from getting cold, the right to be spoken to respectfully instead of being told what to do like we're some police officer's kids. The right not to be killed for doing less shit than some white criminal did. See, the white guys get taken to jail, while the black ones get handed the nail for their very own coffin, and it's happening way too often to just be a coincidence. And innocence? (laughs) Hell, innocence makes no difference because they don't even stop to assess before they shoot, and instead of even trying to refute, good old America makes them heroes. And it just goes to show that they don't care about what's happening to us. In their eyes, every single time a cop shoots, it's done, it's just. And even before the dust settles down, they declare that he must have been guilty because, well, his skin was brown. And the cop, well, come on, now the cop, the cop had no choice. Even when I can't breathe is heard multiple times in a victim's labored voice and there is distress on his face. Please tell me again how this ain't about race. Tell me again how you don't see color. And then I dare you to say that shit to Oscar Grant's mother, to Trayvon Martin's older brother, to the countless fathers, cousins, sisters, lovers who had to interrupt their future plans to bury yet another unarmed black man. You can't convince me they're not trying to eradicate us from this land that we single-handedly built don't even have the decency to feel any guilt. They boldly say they do it again at any hour. They're anxious to get back out and abuse their power and exercise that lovely blue and white privilege. But this time, America, something's different. Black America and the world, we're tired of pretending. We actually do see color still. We see dead black skin and red blood spilled, and we refuse to be silent. If we have to, you damn right we'll riot. We aren't the ones who started the violence. We're just fighting back. We're removing the weight of oppression from our whip-scarred backs. You listen carefully to the rising chatter. The chance of I can't breathe and Black Lives Matter, you hear the sound of your facade as it shatters. Because Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And that's that piece. Damn. Wow. Wow. 
Well, before you go, I want to definitely tell you this. You have um, quite a few fans on here. I want to let the uh, the rest of the listening public know as soon as you jumped on, uh, one of the fans jumped in and said, yay, Mimi. Uh, several other people were very, very impressed with everything you have to say, as always. So we're always glad Thanks. to have you stop by and uh, and show us some things. We're glad for the articles that you posted up, including this one that I see, NYPD cops secretly, cop, secretly record supervisor pressuring him to racially profile black men. And, you know, yeah. there's just stories like that that, that concern me. Um, to all the black officers that are out there, to all the white officers out there who are not assholes and, and all the others who are not assholes, we sincerely appreciate what you're doing as long as you are doing it, it uh, to, the, to the betterment of the process and to, you know, the safety of the public and so on. So we're thankful for you. Uh, and, we just want to make that clear. Just, so. Yeah, let me say two things really quickly. Um, it, I, if, I, I hope if you listened to that poem and you felt offended, um, if you're an officer or a, a, a person who's not of color or even a person of color, because believe it or not, we've got a lot of um, black people who still don't understand what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, um, then I hope you will self-examine because that poem was about bad people, not about all people. I just want to say that. Um, and then I want to thank you for having shows like this that allow people to say what's in their hearts and on their minds, even if it's the unpopular opinion, um, and, and to remain objective hearing all of it despite your own personal feelings that you must be feeling as well being a person of color in this country right now. So I applaud you for providing that platform and remaining objective um, through what can't be an easy time for you either. I, I sincerely appreciate that, Mimi. Thank you so much. And uh, and you know what? I, I wish I had, um, I, I truly do wish I had more friends and family that understood uh, the weight that I feel because I don't think a lot of people get it. Like for empaths that feel that weight, that when there's a burden yeah. on the country, we feel it. You know, yeah, when those cops true. died in Dallas, I felt it. Yep. And I yep. felt it That's from a, a, a standpoint of a father who's not going to come home to his kids right? for no other reason than the color of his skin. Now, listen to what I just said. A father who's not going to come home to his kids for no other reason than the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? That's all Absolutely. I got to say. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, I want you to practice that self-care, too. Yes, I will. You practice yes, that self-care, too. It's necessary. Yes, ma'am. I, I, see, I already know what you're referencing. Stop picking on me already. I know I don't sleep. Thank you. I know I don't sleep. Yes, Thank ma'am. You. And, you drive really, and you drive like a bat out of hell. That too. I don't know what you're talking about, ma'am. I have I have pictures of your speedometer, sir. <laughs> That's not admissible in court. Leave me alone. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only... The one and only Mimi on the line, just me, Ellis. Make sure you check her out. Um, She has plenty of products, and if you ever have the opportunity to see her in person, trust and believe it is well worth the opportunity to feel the presence and full-body embodiment of her voice in the room. Trust me, it's worth it. Mimi, thank you so much for joining us again. Stick around. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're closely and rapidly approaching the uh, 1030 hour. Make sure you stick around. We have more calls here, and I've got plenty of poetry to run. For those of you who are on the call, thank you staying here. I, I do have the next person who got their hand raised. I'm pulling you in next, but I just want to make this quick announcement. In the next 30 minutes, if you have, have uh, been listening to us via streaming, I appreciate it. But please, please, please make sure you call in, 347-324-5487. I have important information to pass on to you, but I'm not going to pass it on. 
until the 1030 hour because we're trying to get you to stick around, trying to get you to call in. That's the way we do it. We, we give you the hook. This is the hook. I want to hook y'all in to call the number, 347-324-5487. Make sure you call in so we can hear you. Uh, press the number one on your keypad so you can give us your opinion. I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear what you got to say. Whatever's on your mind, even if it has nothing to do with this, I'm trying to give you the opportunity to speak your mind because, God forbid, somebody else might feel just like you. You know what I'm saying? So how are we supposed to know if you don't say anything? 919-455. Who do we have on the line? What's good, Chamber? Anonymity here. Yo, what's good, brother? How you been? Uh, I'm chilling, chilling, man. Just, um, you know, sitting here and listening to the show, enjoying everything I hear, um, I'm listening to. Uh, Melissa, you know I'm a fan. I love your work. I love your vision. So um, if you're still on the line, I just wanted to share that with you. But I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. I know you've been busy and you've been running around, man. Give us a kind of a rundown of what's going on. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know Anonymity, another amazing poet. I don't say this about everybody that comes online, but trust and believe that the people that I endorse are always the shit. Uh, definitely Anonymity is one of one of my uh, my brothers in poetry. Uh, right here in North Carolina, we, we've uh, shared several stages, and uh, every single time is always an amazing event. So uh, give, us a, give us a quick rundown, brother. What's been going on with you? Oh, man, not not too much. I'm home. You know, I know the last time I spoke with you, I think I was out in uh, Michigan. So I'm home. Yeah. I just flew back in from Philly yesterday. Um, so, you know, I'm here. Um, life is good. Aside from that, I'm a black man in America. So, you know, that goes to say um, I got a lot to say, a lot, a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions based upon what's going on. Um, right. You know, with the poetry and the poetry community, teaming up with William Davis, trying to support this movement that he has going on on the 19th uh, here in Raleigh. Right. I'm sorry, not the 19th, on right. the 16th. In addition, right. um, you right. know, around with a cycle. So we're pushing a bike club to um, to actually try to, you know, see what we can do to make a difference. Uh, a couple of the brothers from the bike club rode, rode from Raleigh to Flint, Michigan, to deliver water. So, you know, we're still keeping them in, in, right. our, in our hearts and prayers and minds and, just trying to make a difference in our community, you know? So I'm about giving back and trying to just make it happen, man. That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? That's what's important is to make sure that they, uh, uh, you know, do something. And that's, that's, that's kind of what the premise of my last, of my last week's show was, um, was to say, Hey, uh, you know, sometimes I, I even get criticized and people say, Hey, you know, yeah, you do a radio show, but what are you actually doing? I'm providing a voice to the people who want to talk to other people who have something that they can do, and that's what I'm attempting to do. So I really appreciate you being another one of those examples of people who go out there and do some stuff, you know what I'm saying? So thank you for your efforts, you and, the, you know, the bike club and everybody that you work with, man, because somebody is actually listening, and I appreciate that, man. And it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary right now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's um, scary. You know, it's a lot. Um, I was listening to something that you guys were talking about earlier, and it was in reference to uh, statistics. Um, and I totally agree with what you said. You know, I think, and a lot of times, what gets what gets put on display is not necessarily the truth. If if I were to take as an example, you know, if I were to take two police officers and put them in a predominantly white uh, society or ca- uh, Caucasian society versus officers, and then in a predominantly black community then right. I have 
you know, I have more more law enforcement that can cover more ground, that can report more crime in the black community versus the white community. So statistics is is I found to be very, very manipulative that people are not um, informed about. And therefore, you know, I think that education, um, giving knowledge to, you know, to combat a lot of these things, a lot of a lot of what's going on is very important in today's society so people can have a full understanding, not just our people from a minority standpoint, but there's a lot of good um there I mean there's a a, a, a ton of good hearted Americans despite color of their skin or anything that's about just and that's what this is about. This is about, you know, once um wanting justice because I'm no, you know, it's no different. If 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 the injustices were happening to to white America, I'd be just as much on the forefront saying, "Hey, this has got to stop. This is not America. This is not what we're supposed to stand for." You know, so a lot of things that's going on, like you know, you hear the the all lives matter, and I'm and I don't I don't dis I don't I don't discount that all lives do matter, but. For right. those who are going out here, you know, protesting now, all lives matter as a way to combat this Black Lives Matter movement. They right. don't have a clue. We know all lives matter. We know that, but all lives are not are, uh, are not the endangered species right now. It's Black lives. Exactly. We got people that have no, you know. I mean, what's it? Every time you turn around. I mean, you're seeing it on video, and, and, and this is not stuff that just started happening. It's just that we came into a time in technology where, where cell phones with video cameras are just about in everybody's hands, so now you're seeing it. But this stuff was going on Thank for you. years. I'm, I'm from Philadelphia, born and raised, and, and I'm going to let you know, Mumiahu Jamal did not kill Officer Daniel Faulkner. It's just there was no video to prove, to show it. Right. That man, when you know right. he was on death row, I mean, he's serving life, a life sentence now. But it's another injustice in America. So this is—I I want people to understand: this is nothing new. This is what's new is the technology that you have in your hand. This is not stuff right. that just started happening. This is stuff that's been going on since—I mean, since since the beginning of of you know since we came over here. We came over as slaves as a people to the civil rights era when when it when it was just more blatant, but this is not nothing new. This is this is a the, right. the America that we've been calling home for those listening, you know, that we were born into. So, you right. know, thank goodness right. the technology evolved because now let's let's bring awareness to what's happening and let's continue to progress from there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think the part that really truly scares me um, the number one message that I saw out of the first uh, the first murder is what I'm titling it on uh, July the 5th of Alton Sterling is that basically it said we can kill you even on video and you can show it to the world and you still can't do shit. Truth. Like that, that scared the shit out of me. Like, wait, we have video of it. Like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Even with the Walter Scott case, the fact that anybody would even flinch to indict that dude after watching him shoot somebody in the back blows mm-hmm. my fucking mind. I don't think there mm-hmm. should even been a win. You, sh- you shouldn't even thought twice about it. 
your ass is getting indicted. Period. What do you mean? And then we can prove it in court whether you you should be let go. Right? Yeah. Yep. This. I mean, this is this is the. You know, this is this is unfortunately, this is America on the on on the front street, plain and simple, for what it is. You know, we grow up in our communities. We live with our you know, with our parents, our families, and, and we have this image. We want to, you know, we want to believe that we're in a good place. And, don't, and, 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 and I mean, don't get me wrong, um, I wouldn't want to leave my country and, 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 you know, things like that. But America, to me, might be different than America to, say, my white counterpart. You know, where it's, it's, yep. there is, you know, people, pe- people talk about reverse racism, and, I mean, I've heard, you know, they try to call the Black Lives Matter movement racist. And, I mean, I hear a lot of things, and I'm on social media, and, I, and you know, I make it to different places, and I communicate with a lot of different people of all races, colors, creeds. You know, uh, injustice is injustice. Right, um, right. You know, I've heard someone say statistically, you know, um, that more white people are killed by police than black people. And on the same in the, on the same token, in this conversation, we spoke of a white man here in Raleigh that shot at a police officer, and they were able to subdue you know subdue him. They 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 took the necessary steps to make killing a very 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 last resort. But unfortunately, that does right. not apply to us people of color. It's like right. if you got a gun, with regardless if it's legal or not. You know, in the Austin Sterling case, okay, they said he had one in his um, pocket. I still question. I've seen the video, but I mean, even if he, even if that legitimately was his gun in his pocket, his hands were nowhere near it. He was, you know, subdued. They they uh, shot the man in the chest. All right, you know, yep. the the, um, the brother that that told him I'm licensed to carry. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, he told him he had the license to carry. He had it legitimately. He had every right to have it, and he died because of it. He wasn't reaching. But yet we got here in Raleigh, we got a man, you know, a white man who shoots at a cop, and yet you still take precaution before emptying the clip on a white life. Now, every cop is not racist. I have quite a few officers in my own family. Um, My father's side of the family has quite a few officers in in the city of Philadelphia, and I'm and I'm concerned about their lives because you know people are taking drastic measures, and I'm I'll even call this on ignorance because you know we there's a way to fight the battle without right. stooping down to the level of ignorance that a lot of people are taking. So my heart goes out to the good police officers and 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 things like that, but right on the same token. I've heard it said on this show, the good officers. If this, these injustices are happening, I think we can make a bigger stand if they would step up and they would protest against what's going on. Go, you know, they got this this code of blue. You understand what I'm saying? I heard some, uh, pardon the way I say it, some bullshit about Blue Lives Matter, which is the stupidest thing that I've, I think I've heard in a long time because, you know, Blue Lives is an occupation. That's not your, your uh, life. You understand what I'm saying? You you take that uniform off, and whatever race, color, creed you are, you go on to be that after your 40-hour work week is over. So that's the, the dumbest thing that I think I've heard. But, but, speak out against it. 
you know, come together with, with, you know, um, with your, 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 your good brothers or, or compadres or, you know, in blue and, and let, and speak out against it to become, you know, fuck your preacher. This is, if it's an occupation, then don't use it to take another man's life because you're afraid. If this is your occupation and it's just a job, then make sure that the man that you subdue is makes it home as well or makes it to see that judge or have him day in court. Don't just be so quick to take his life and then change the lives of his wife and his kids and, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you're going to be a good cop, then speak out against the shit that you see going on, the shit that you hear in your own department. Speak out and be a voice right. against it. Do it in your uniform so we know that our lives do matter. And then right. change might start taking taking form, shape, in our community. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of things. I hear people protesting against, you know, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna spend money on in, in, uh, Target, and we're not gonna spend money here, and we're not gonna spend money there, and whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm with it, but I would love if I, if there's any police officers listening to me as 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 just one member of a community, the black community, whether the Latino community, whatever it is, as just one member of a minority group, I would love to see some of these good officers stand up and speak what's right because I think it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I completely hear you. And, uh, and you know what? I think that um, a lot of times they, they, like I said, I think that's the only reason that they don't say anything is out of fear of not being protected appropriately. Um, and, the, and the, even the scariest part to me is the fact that we have a system where they have to, that these cops have to live in fear of that kind of fallout, and that that bothers me. Like the good cops can't thrive appropriately because of that, and that's what scares me. Um, it, it's just you know, it, it's so ba- it still baffles me. I agree, you know, but on the same token, I mean, I've 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 switched jobs before because some things just wasn't right. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I, I needed my paycheck as much as the next person. You know what I'm saying, um, and you know, but if some if some things aren't right, I'm not just gonna go and 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 bend over and take it with no Vaseline. Pardon the way I say it. You know, if things aren't right, that's just you know me. I speak out. If I were a cop in this day and age, and I see certain things happening, you know, I'm I'm going to how in, in the manner that I do it. I may not know that per se. I don't know what kind of. Um, you know, standards of confidentiality that I'm held by, but I'm damn sure going to find a loophole to make my voice heard and stand against it, and I'm damn sure not going to do it in the dark. Now, right. if that costs me my job, I trust and believe that I have enough of a skill set about me that I'm going to be all right. I'm yeah. not going to stand there and, and, and watch. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to become part of the expression but I'm going to use this as a general term. I'm not going to become an Uncle Tom in a sense. Not saying white gotcha. versus black, but I'm not going to become an uh, Uncle Tom for blue, for for the right. uniform or for the badge, and just okay. become a quiet as a church mouse against what's going on. I'm going to speak out. I'm going to make sure my voice is heard. That's just right. me. Right. Right. But I would like right. to see that happen more. Right. In a, um, you know, I, I would love to see that happen more than what it is. 
Absolutely. Absolutely, and I hear you. And, and you know, I, I'm just – I'm praying that – and I guess what we're basically saying and what we've all been saying is the hope that the right person will say something that will get people uh, to, to um, you know, move things in the right direction. You know? Yes, sir. I think that's the big hope. I think that's the huge hope is that somebody will 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 do that. So, um, all right. So, hey, brother, uh, you got any? You got anything you want to share? Anything you got coming up here soon? Um, I mean, I haven't been, you know, I haven't been doing too much as far as planning shows. I mean, I'm I'm still, you know, writing a play that's on something else. So, I'm kind of still going full okay. steam ahead with that. In the meantime, I just been so frustrated, man. I've been flooding my wall, you know, with this poem that I wrote. Um. That's just, you know, putting it out there on Front Street is how I feel. I've been flooding it, flooding it, flooding it. I know I done pissed people off. I know I looked at my page and seen a couple people done already deleted me. So, you know, fuck them. But it is what it is. Hey, it happens. Right, right, right. I feel you. I feel you. Well, brother, I sincerely appreciate you standing up and saying what you feel and what you believe. Um, you know, let's let's keep doing this. Like, as poets, that's what we're supposed to do is take on the, the – Take on the feeling of the people and then give it a voice that they can't find. So I appreciate everything that you're doing, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only anonymity, thank you for coming through. Um, make sure you stick around, bro. We got a lot more stuff that's coming up and a lot more information, all right? So I, I got some amazing announcements I'm going to give everybody. What's up? Yes, sir. Before I go, man, uh, is it all right? I, I, I got a poem i like to share. I think it's appropriate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please do. Please do. I won't take too much of your time. Appreciate it. Let the revolution begin by any means necessary. No longer shall our campaign through a voice that reasons. This season demands that weapons of mass destruction be released from the tips of tongues. Words locked and loaded like guns cocked as bombs explode into memorable verses surfaces from the thoughts of soldiers. I've entitled this piece, The Memoirs of an Armed Poet. Tired with the viciousness of spitting through a venomous tongue, picking up from where I dropped off oppression, now going in against all odds. I put my middle finger up, protesting. Fuck police corruption. Fuck the bullshit. Fuck the hatred. Fuck the lies. And shall my demise be imposed with my freedom of speech? Realize why I am the ghost. A conscious spirit moving within the midst of a movement, preparing to take arms against government tactics, where the three Ks of America are steadily aimed at black kids, hoping to annihilate a population of future Ks. So I'll take my refuge in knowing that I'll probably be targeted, possibly martyred for planting seeds of logic into the mindset of the misinformed, finding solace through unification, taking my stand as violent or nonviolent, declaring civil war against hatred's hidden agenda of racism, being hidden behind badge and uniform, with the, and so I'm not holding back my tongue for shit. Now I'm spitting this one from the hearts of the Tim Jackson, the Desana Hanus, the Sean Angles, the Elliot Axioms, the Broken Art, the original links and fuses, igniting sparks of flames, burning in the thoughts of soldiers, crying the blues, whatever blues verse or heard, because deep down inside, we're all just something like poets. But until you consider that you could have been church, inside of the church, on his knees praying, when hatred shot him, 
then overshadowed as if forgotten since the focus became about flags disregarding why black lives matter, you could never fully understand me. So I spit this poem behind the mask of anonymity, where mirrored reflections of a ghost writing uses just one mic to be heard. See, this year the revolution still won't be televised, but surely shared through social media as black and white blends on play paper, transcending the substance of our energy into unity and something greater through words overflowing through the explanation of why I just don't give a fuck anymore. See, my voice will not be silenced, nor sold on slave ships, nor muted behind prison walls, because I use my words and my balls to fight back until justice repents for her wicked ways, disregarding black and white, only embracing the shades of gray through justice, rewriting the future of our history as something just. But until that day, I'll be firing these fucking shots without warning. That's my piece. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Anonymity, giving us the raw. Good God. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for your words. Absolutely. Good, good, good. Thank you so much. Stick around there, bro. And, hey, be careful in them streets, bro. Truth. Truth, truth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's rapidly approaching that 10.30 hour I told you about. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, in, according to the timer, it has up here, and sometimes that timer is a little shaky. you got four minutes to call in. Uh, I've got another couple calls that I'm about to bring in here. And like I told you, i got amazing and wonderful news coming up at 10.30. If you are not listening at the 10.30 hour, you will miss the good stuff. So make sure you call in. The number is 347-324-5487. We've got more uh, very uh, well-versed individuals on the line who have a lot to say. Please stick around and stay tuned because we got more stuff that's coming up. Uh, next up on the line, I have a 757-503. how are we doing this evening? How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, glad that you called in. Appreciate you. Uh, it, what do you have to share with us tonight? Well, um, I was just listening to the gentleman that was speaking, and I heard a lot of his frustration, and I certainly can relate to it and understand it, um, considering that my work is based around all that you are covering right now. I figured I would take a few minutes to give a call in. Um, I don't know if I have a lot to say, but um, I think um, there's some added value for me as the spouse of a police officer uh, to call in and share something from maybe the other side and also to share some things from the perspective of my my job. Um, So first, uh, I think that people tend to forget that police officers are part of a family or a community before they're a police officer. And I heard the gentleman say that um, he believes that once a police officer takes off the uniform, they can resume to being who they are. And that that in itself for me as a spouse is a fault for me because they are always going to be law enforcement. And their head can't be on a swivel at all times and they can't live you know, hypervigilantly wondering and waiting for the next person because unfortunately what people don't think about is how the effect of fueling the fire for the hate for police, actually it trickles down into our black families. 
there are a lot of black, brown, beige, red, and yellow officers out there that not only already deal with the elements of racism within their departments and their communities, uh, and then it's piled on even more so when my husband has to go to work and he has nothing to do with the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening. He's just going to work to do his job, to protect and serve those that cannot protect themselves. He's there for them. He's one call away from death every day. There's nothing normal or typical about the life of a police officer. So as we ask police officers to step up and do the right thing, then I throw caution to the wind when people easily say things like blue lives matter is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, followed by police officers should just step up and talk about what dirty cops are doing. Well, if blue lives don't matter and they know they're not going to get any support from the community and or the people that are suggesting that they step up, then what incentive or encouragement do they get? Do they lose their jobs and can't feed their families? I mean, because I know a lot of people that go to work and they hate their jobs. They don't like the way things are happening, but they stay because they need their their paycheck. So there's a lot to be said there, a lot of conversation around it. And I think it all boils down to language. Um, Blue lives matter, black lives matter, red, yellow, beige, all lives do matter. And it is okay for people to say that. And the problem that we have is that people tend to get defensive because they say, well, black people are the only ones that have been suffered, disenfranchised, oppressed, and all of these things. And that's not true. We do experience the brunt of a lot of violence historically. However, Mm -hmm. the challenge we have in our society is is that a lot of us are saying how frustrated we are and how upset we are at the way the system does us, but then when you ask individuals to tell you what they're frustrated about, they can't really formulate that thought. They can't tell you what it is other than they're tired of being killed by police. They're tired of um, experiencing racism. And I can understand that because, again, just because I'm the wife of a black police officer and I'm also the president of our state chapter for Virginia uh, Law Enforcement Officers Association, um, it doesn't make me feel any safer from anyone. Um, So if I'm being, you know, pulled over, you know, I, I still feel a little uncomfortable at times. But the one thing I've learned is that if I'm getting pulled over, then I call immediately into 911 so that I open that line and that officer can hear over the radio that I have called in, that I am calling in saying I am being pulled over by an officer and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I want to stay on the line because this is, you know, what makes me feel safe. So now that officer is very aware of his surroundings and if he doesn't have a body camera on, he does know he's now being recorded by 911. But there's small things we can do. I just wanted to call in and start dialoguing about, you know, what we can do better because even as you guys were talking about how from, you know, all of these different cases, we're still in the same place, and that's sad on our on our part. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now let me ask you this, So because you just brought up a very interesting point that I don't think a lot of people took into account. Uh, if there is an, a chance where I get pulled over and I feel uncomfortable, I can call 911 and at least have it recorded by 911 themselves. Um, just from a devil's advocate standpoint, like, well, what else can we do aside from just that? Because, like, some people would just say, well, I mean, they were videotaping it. They had it on cell phone, and that didn't do anything. Is there anything else that, that I, 
and I realize there are just some situations that won't completely cover you, but what else would you advise from your standpoint to better uh, uh, put the police officer at ease and, you know, help with the situation? So, I mean, and, and I'm just, you know, taking off the title uh, for my job and my position. I'm just moving all those layers away. Let me just come at this from the perspective of a black woman, a mother, and a black wife. You know, let me, let me, let me deal with it this way. You have so many people that are in these positions of being fearful of the black male and now also the female. But when we think about how this plays out, how you'll find that in some areas, some officers are um, more reactionary to a black, brown, or beige person because typically in that area, they might see a lot of violence, a lot of high crime. It might be an area where there's a lot of issue, right? So they are already uh, aware and afraid that maybe they might lose their lives because they've seen a lot and they know that there are actually some, you know, there's a lot of violence in, the, in these areas. And then when there's areas that it's not and you see an officer treating someone white different, we got to make sure that we're looking at what this really looks like. They're in different places. So naturally, if they're not used to seeing, uh, an officer's not used to being around a black person and all that they know about black people, and, you know, I might offend a couple people or make them upset, but if all they know is uh, the is empire, and, and we do have people that like to watch things like empire and promote that foolishness, right. you know, because cookie, right. you know, she got that attitude. Now, I got a little bit of cookie in me too, but you better believe that that is not a lifestyle for me. You know, I can get my attitude and I've got my ways about me, but if this is all that we're projecting to society that we are, well, why wouldn't they be afraid? If this white man doesn't right. know anything other than Lucius Lyon and the gang members and this and that, and this is all he's exposed to, he's not exposed to who we really are, then there's a lot of the issues there. We ourselves have to start thinking about what we're doing, what we're supporting. You know, some of the uh, young right. folks around here challenging others, each other, to stop twerking on online, stop showing fight videos, stop putting the ignorance out there, because it begins with us. It's a family foundation. It's our own units. We cannot control everything or everyone. Obviously, outside environment is going to be an influence for all of our lives. And we can't escape racism. We can't escape violence, not from white people, not from black people, just people in general. It's going to be a part of who we are as a society. But we can try to reduce and prevent as as much of it as we can. And I say that you know, you can't start on the side of the road when you get pulled over. That's not where it has to start. You have to start way before that. So when you, right. when I find when I run into people that are frustrated, maybe want answers, I don't have them. I'm, you know, I'm just like the rest of the, the world. I have my challenges too. But, you know, what I do do is that if you, if I, if I wanted to protest, then no one would really be able to say anything because I know who my mayor is. I know who the city manager is. I know city council. I know my state legislators, I know national legislators, I am involved actively in what is going on in my community. And even though I don't live in an impacted community, uh, and when I say impacted, meaning usually disenfranchised, just in the community is unserved, underserved, that they just basically have too many guns and no resources. So I'm working to help those communities to make sure that they know that the answer is, the beginning of the answer is simple. It's education. Understand the issues that are happening in your community. In Virginia, when you go, if there's something that happens and you go to the police station, it doesn't help because the, the, the police chief 
literally is employed by the city. The city manager has the last word, and city council and the mayor, everyone has a word to, to tell the, the police chief what to do. Now, police don't write laws, they enforce law. So if you don't like a law, well, the police chief can't do anything about it. Accountability is important, but if you're not holding the people, right, if you're not holding the people that are accountable, now, while everybody's in front of the police station and the police chief can't do anything, the legislators that are putting these laws on the books and allowing these things to happen are at home comfortably looking at the TV. And they probably kick back laughing because there's nothing being done to them. And these are the individuals that we have to stay vigilant on on a local level. We have to make sure that we are engaging, partnering, being active with other organizations around other issues so that you all come together and make sure that they know that you're there. You have to be at the city council meetings. I am not saying that legislation is going to actually end all of the acts of some racist rogue officers that are out there. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if you are consistent with what you say, when you say I'm frustrated, then be able to say I'm frustrated because this officer X did one, two, and three, and I went to the police station and I spoke to the police chief and I spoke to the mayor. I went to city council and I wrote letters and here's the correspondence of them doing nothing. If you are doing all of the things you're supposed to do to hold everyone accountable, then you have the right right to be frustrated and and block the highways. But what we do there tragically is, is that, we stop forgetting about the real unfortunate realities in our communities. A lot of us are, the, are part of the living poor. So some of us, and I deal with this, some of us have families that literally have just enough gas money to get to and from work for that day. And the slightest stop yep. would ruin everything for them because they don't have enough gas to sit on the highway. They don't have enough gas. They don't have that extra $5 to put in the tank because that was supposed to be for the bread, peanut butter, and cheese and things they needed. So we got to think about everything right. that we're doing and right. not just right. what we're feeling. Right. You know, evidence-based facts right. lead to evidence-based decisions. Now, we shouldn't be just marching in front of a police station. We need to be looking at the legislators who are passing policies that are not providing the resources in our community, which put us in a place where, you know, we have this distressed community. And if Mm-hmm. From my job perspective, when, when we looked at what uh, the community was looking for as a priority to assist with um, police accountability, a lot of it was about reducing easy access to firearms among people at high risk for committing violent acts. And, you know, one of the biggest ones was increasing the increased safety uh, by building a police and community trust mm-hmm. and enhancing police accountability and legitimacy. And once you address mm-hmm. the root of a cause, like for gun violence, by investing in job training, life skills, mental health services, dispute resolution, reentry support, and other wraparound social services, particularly for those most likely to be victimized by or to perpetuate a, a gun violence or some type of crime, once we start dealing with the root of the problem, and that's legislation, we can start dealing with the rest of the, the, the issues. We need to make right. sure. The one thing I'll tell you for certain about police officers I can say for sure. There is nothing more that they want than to get a bad officer out because that bad officer is making all of them look bad. And the unfortunate ouch for this situation is this. If we do not want individuals to say, 
that all black people are savages. We hood rats, gang members. We're on welfare. You know, we there's too many baby daddies and just stereotype us because some individuals may have this lifestyle, but this doesn't mean we all do, then it's the same thing for a profession. And just like Black Lives Matter, you can't make an entire movement responsible for some rogue individuals doing their own thing because they right. don't know how to display their frustration in a constructive, effective way. You can't say that Black Lives Matter is a, a, a terrible movement. No, there's some rogue individuals that use the, the hashtag Black Lives Matter, but Black Lives Matter, they have a plan. They're working on their exactly. agenda. But a lot of people can't see yeah. it because what they see are people that are separated from the organized movement. So there's right. the same thing with police. You know, there are some racist rogue police officers that need to be held accountable and they need to be prosecuted. But there are yeah, also absolutely. some officers there, you know, I want my husband to come home at night. But because right. he's a police right. officer, he's targeted. He's hated because of what he is. And my husband grew up in Brooklyn. He grew up uh, being chased or disrespected by police. He, it's not like he didn't go through that. But he's a police officer because here's the problem. If we don't continue to start building support for the black, brown, beige, red, and yellow officers that are there, then what happens when you have a mass exit of minorities in law enforcement? What do you do now? Right. I'm not supporting and I don't believe that we should be a society without law enforcement. Um, and I think for those that think that that is the answer, then maybe perhaps they should try it out. And if there's an emergency, don't rely on law enforcement and see how long that works. There is a, a need for law and order because without it, it's anarchy. And who wants that? We have children that are in this world that deserve to grow up. And, you know, I will say before I, before I shut up that a lot of times you hear people talk about their frustration and um, they really can't label uh, what a frustration looks like. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is, is that when someone tells me that they're out marching and protesting because they're mad and frustrated, and then I ask them to even share with me something simple, you know, as our population, as a, as a people, what we make up and represent, and they don't know, it becomes concerning to me. As black people and me working in, in gun violence prevention, you know, we make up 16% of the population. And, you know, right. the the, the the one thing that people don't realize is that gun violence is disproportionately affecting our children of color. So if we make up 15% of the population, but 41% of the gun deaths are among black children and teens between 0 and 19, do black lives really matter enough for you to carry beyond that police shooting? Because black killings happen daily, and we, we are allowing right. the media to string a narrative that doesn't cover that. So we very gotcha. getting back in a position sense. where 41 percent of our children are being murdered, and we can literally address this through our legislators because if we get them putting money and investing into our communities, I don't know what you learned, but I know what I learned is that our youth want to grow up. They want to be engineers and right. surgeons. They want to be producers. They right. they don't want to just be rappers and basketball players. They want to grow up. But if you just heard what I said, they're not. Generations of kids right. being white while we are paying attention to only racist rogue officers, and we have been watching black men die on live feeds to the point now that people are looking at it like it's a movie, like it's not real. 
It's mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. Now we're not addressing yeah. this community PTSD. This is traumatizing. There's a lot of layers to right. unfold, but at the end of the day, we are all people. I can guarantee you that our similarities will bring us closer together than our slight differences. My husband walked out of the house. He's just like any other black man. He wants to come home to his family, and he wants to protect right. those that need his protection. And those that are breaking the law, right. he's going to make sure that he, he addresses that by arrest or detaining whatever is necessary. But my husband is not a part of the problem. But because the movement is so singular, it's focusing on police are killing us. My husband has not killed anyone, not a racist. He doesn't go out there and target black men. But he gets treated the same because the movement, well, I'm not going to say the movement now. As we can see, people are coming together and working on how do we fix this. Blue lives matter, black lives matter, all lives matter. I don't care how anybody says it. If you are working to save and preserve the life of your family and your community, then you understand that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It just means that we have to preserve life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a, that's a very true statement. And the reason I wanted you to, to just, you know, spill your guts, and I, I sincerely appreciate everything you just said, the reason I wanted you to speak is because you are you have a very unique perspective that none of the rest of us have. You are someone who deals with law enforcement on a regular basis, is married to law enforcement, you, you have a, a, a vision of it, and as well as being a black woman married to a black man who happens to be in said law enforcement that we were just discussing. So I think your perspective is incredibly unique, and it gives a side that a lot of us do not know. And that's why I always said, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I humbly thank you for coming on the show and letting us know that uh, I really appreciate the fact that you were you were comfortable enough to say so. And I think you give us a lot to think about. One of the things that I can pull out of what you just said, too, that I absolutely love is when we make the statement Black Lives Matter, we can't just shoot him. We should say Black Lives Matter when there is any involved shooting and a black person dies. And it was for something senseless. If it was a robbery, the Black Lives Matter movement needs to be there saying, hey, you know, <clears throat> this, this person's life mattered, and it was taken away needlessly because, you know, nobody's watching this community. The other thing I like that, that I'm, I'm pulling away from everything that you said is um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equate it to this analogy of it's a lot like when you're in a cell phone store and you see somebody get pissed off at the girl behind the counter, but the girl behind the counter isn't the one that made the policy that says you can't get your new phone yet. It's actually not even the manager at the store, but it's somebody that works at a different facility altogether. So you can't yell at them. It's not their fault. It's not their decision. It's the people higher above. So this legislation, like you said, it's not the cops that make a lot of this legislation. It's not the cops that do that. It's actually somebody higher up. It's a congressman somewhere that, like you said, is sitting somewhere pretty and not worried about anything. And it's and those individuals that are in that particular police station that need to be, you know, kicked out that have 1,500 complaints and the captain isn't doing anything about, then those, yeah, we need to address those specific people. So, like I said, your unique perspective uh, is exactly what uh, I think that this this listening public needed to hear. And, you know, I sincerely appreciate you coming on and telling us that. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to share that. But I also want to say, above all else, what what you just shared what I am, I have three black sons, you know. So um, I'm also a responsible black gun owner. I'm also a retired black bounty hunter. I'm also a current 
black private investigator. So I've got many lenses at which I'm looking through, and I'm understanding that the world is a very sensitive place right now. We are all in a place where we need to find a holistic understanding of how we heal together and stop tearing one another down. We all have the right to have difference of opinions. And the one thing that I will note that you guys were talking about earlier is about these videos. And I know that this gets a lot of people upset, and I understand it. But the thing with the videos are is that we always get pieces of a video. We never get from the beginning. We never see what's happening. There's always something going on. So what I've learned in my lifetime is is that, you know, you have to be able to um, have that honest time. Like you have the Department of Justice that is uh, investigating the Sterling um, shooting, the police shooting. And, you know, we have to let that process work because even, you know, sugar looks like salt. You, You have to understand that sometimes we're not seeing the whole picture. And I'm not saying that any, there's any right in what was done. I'm just saying that before we get in front of things, we have to make sure we understand them. And people are inciting additional um, hatred and reactions that are costing people their lives. If, like you said, if you have a police department that is employing uh, cops that are historically violent or abusive, then you need to be dealing with your man, your uh, mayors, your city manager, your city council. You you need to be dealing with them directly and not just – you know, arguing, the arguing aspect is important. That frustration is, is real. But beyond that, you need to take them out of office. If they are not going to hold the police chief accountable, or we have to remember, like here in Virginia, the police chief, um, you know, d- does not have the authority to make all the decisions on its own. So if the city manager here makes a policy um that she wants the police chief to follow, then she doesn't have to have any experience in law. She doesn't have law enforcement or anything. She doesn't have to have that background. Um, she's probably going to make decisions for the budget as the decisions he's going to make for public safety, but they mm-hmm. all have to be responsible. So we want to make sure that right. we are making evidence, you know, using evidence-based facts to make evidence-based decisions. And if it wasn't written, it wasn't done. Start writing and emailing these people so that there's a, a chain to show that, look, I emailed, I called, I facts. I came in. I did all these things and nothing was done. Now we are demanding something gets done. When you show up with no evidence-based facts, then they're not going to make any evidence-based decisions. They're going to just blow you off like they typically do. And I just hope overall that collectively we as a society, we organize and we start to really, really understand that our Voices and these votes are what actually determine how we will be living every day. Your local voices are more important than your national one because your local voices, that's where your paycheck, your family, you eat, you pray, you play, that's where it all goes down. And if you don't know who your local legislators are, you are a part of the problem. You can no longer sit back and say, I'm not voting because it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters because when you don't vote, you're saying, Everything's okay. The police killings, our police-involved shootings, you're saying that gangs, you're saying that uh, communities that are literally putting poor people in one place so they can try to compartmentalize, you know, what they issue, you know, then you're saying all oh, this is okay. But the second you start right. using right. your vote, then your voice becomes very loud. And I think Martin, yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King said that, you know, the one thing a legislator is going to fear is a vote. That makes that's perfect sense. So 
And I think that's that's the resounding thing that we need to pay attention to. Everything that you just said uh, is that that we truly, truly need to pay more attention to who we put in legislation. And if we don't know who those people are, we need to, you know, oust them and, and make sure that we get the right people in there who are going to represent us appropriately. Uh, again, thank you very, very much for giving us your unique perspective. Um, I sincerely appreciate you calling in. Uh, please continue to do so. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I think that all of the listeners here definitely appreciate uh, you coming in and giving us your unique perspective again. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Please stick around so we got more people here. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that was from the voice of someone who is not only uh, the wife of a a black police officer, clearly been a significant part of law enforcement, as well as a mother who's raised uh, two black uh, sons herself. So uh, let's keep that in mind as well when we have this discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're still here, you're still listening to WKCJV Radio. This is Chamber 7 here with you. We are just discussing the fallout, everything that has happened over the past week, and uh, we're just having a discussion trying to figure out uh, what's the next step and what, we, what do we do from here. Uh, I see my callers with their hands raised. I have uh, three more at the moment. I really appreciate you raising your hand, but please make sure you stick around. I'm, I'm going to get to every single one of you. I wanted to make sure that our last caller had enough opportunity to speak freely because, like I said, her perspective is incredibly unique. There are very few people that I've ever had call in that were police officers or part of law enforcement, and her perspective was not only as uh, someone who's been a part of law enforcement in one way, shape, form, or fashion, but also as somebody who's married to someone in law enforcement as well as being a parent of children who might be affected by law enforcement. So I think that was necessary. So that was my decision to allow her the opportunity to speak very freely. But next up on our list of individuals who are brave enough to raise their hands and speak out here on WKPJB Radio 301-367, who do we have on the line? This is Jesse. I'm not sure how I got in the queue, but I am at work. So I'm just listening, but I don't have an opportunity to say it right now. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I still appreciate that. If you get a chance, please make sure you type that into the uh, into the um the, the place. But we really appreciate you listening when you can. So I'm gonna put you on hold, but stick around, all right? Okay, thank you. Thank you, darling. That was Jesse, one of our our longtime listeners as well. Wanted to chime in a little bit, but obviously she's uh in a, in a position where she can't do that. But I really appreciate all of my callers who call in anyway. That is super dope. I'm super glad to have people who call in and listen to the show. Uh, in spite of whatever they got going on. So I'm going to move on to our next caller who we got here. I am not sure who called in first because these numbers are really close together, but I'm going to go ahead and click on this one just to see what happens. 347-415, who do we have on the line? It's Allison. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, so I was listening, and, you know, I I felt like both of them had a lot of things. One, I mean, he was extremely frustrated, and I understand his frustration, but at the same time, you know, being a black woman and, and having a husband that is a police officer and having three sons and still being a part of law enforcement like she is was really awesome and amazing for her to even, you know, get on the line and even speak. Um, you know, exactly. because sometimes yeah. we're so quick to, you know, judge and shoot somebody down before they could even, you know, finish a sentence that, um, right. you know, I just think she was really brave for even speaking. 
And right. uh, unfortunately, a lot of things does start with us, um, you know, and we don't take a lot of ownership. It seems like we stand together a lot of the times when things are going horribly wrong and, uh, you know, when things are going what they say, the you know, the calm after the storm. We don't stand together then when we still have poverty issues. We still have young men without fathers that's out here that's looking for some type of leadership, some type of role models. We don't we don't stand up for those type of things. But as soon as somebody gets right. killed, you know, we're we're like all over the place and we are we're protesting, we're doing all these things. When all these things could potentially be stopped if, you know, we right. took a second and we just stood together as a community instead of not just one color, just just unified because what people fail to realize it's not just black it's mexicans it's chinese we're all minorities i mean white people feel they are the majority but at the same time we are all considered minority and that's the thing that people don't realize and that's the thing that upsets me most is you know people will say oh they come over here in our country and they get this they get that no they come over and they do what they have to do for their families they work together it's not our fault that we, it's our fault we don't work together. It's not their fault because they're working together. They all live in one That's house right. sometimes, right. and they all put their money in one pot, in one pot, and they make it, and they branch off, and they take care of their family right. in other countries. So what I say is ignorance is bliss. If people spend as much time as they do looking at things negatively and look at things in a positive light and see, hey, well, maybe I could change this or maybe I could do this, or maybe I can use my voice for betterment instead of knocking somebody down for doing something positive, then that would be just mm-hmm. awesome. Then the world would change. Exactly. And we wouldn't have so many gangbangers because what, why do we have gangbangers? Because they don't have a father. They don't have a mother. They, they want family. They want to feel like they're complete. That's right. why we have gangbangers. Right. They want to feel safe. That's why we have right. gangbangers. That's right. So, that's right, because they, know, they feel like they've lost the that, that stability. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's a good point. Exactly. And that's the that's the point, you know, that people fail to realize. And even with police, oh, yeah, we can go all day, you know, black lives matter, white lives matter. We can do that all day. Well, guess what? It's cops, black cops that get killed for no reason. They get hazed. We have Army officials that get hazed and killed without reason. We have all type of things that happen within these government official positions, and nobody protests about any of these things. You know, it's right. it's one of those things that, you know, people just don't talk about. It's one of those things that's swept right. under the rug. Everybody is exactly. important. Everybody is important. Not one single person is not important, and that's the problem. You have ignorant – yes, you do have your few ignorant officers that are racist. Yes, we have that in the world. But you also have black racists, too. You have Mexican oh, racists, you have Chinese racists. And, and, and you know what? Like I said again, ignorance is bliss. And that's all I have to say. Right. <laughs> that's right. No, I really appreciate that. And thank you. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have the type of uh, progressive individuals who are willing to call in and say, you know what? It, it, we need to stop bullshitting. And let's just tell the truth about this. And, and I'm super, super stoked that I've got so many people that are willing to call in and just say, you know, I don't, nah, I don't agree with that. Like, I, I'm glad to hear that, you know, that, that, and and have a reason to feel that way and have uh, the proper way to back it up. So, um, again, I thank you for saying that, and I and I think you, once again you've also opened 
a lot of eyes to a lot of uh, that unique perspective. So I really appreciate that that viewpoint. No problem. Thank you. All right, stick around for us. We got more people here that uh, got more amazing opinions, such as yourself. All right. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Allison who just called in to check in with us and gave us uh, her insights. All right, so a lot of you have been waiting ever so patiently for uh, announcements and things that I wanted to tell you. One of the cool things that um, I don't know if you already knew this, uh, if you didn't already know, um, I was recently in a film with uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, also known as uh, 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 Harry Potter. Um, And... I've been waiting really patiently for the film to come out, and it was supposed to come out in March, and I had been telling everybody, hey, it's going to come out, and it's going to come out, and I still haven't seen anything. And sometimes uh, the movies that we worked on don't ever actually come out. Um, Well, I'm proud to announce, and this is just one of my announcements here, I'm proud to announce that it did come out. If you didn't already know this, I don't know if I've displayed it to everybody, but the film that uh, this is going to be, Chamber 7, Sean Singletary, uh, check me out on IMDb, I'm official. Uh, this is going to be my big screen debut for the first time ever. I'm going to be on the silver screen, uh, praise God. I'm super, super excited. I'm super stoked. August the 19th is the release date. I posted on the page the, um, the, the, the actual uh, website for you to check it out yourself. Uh, if you have a chance, stop by that link. And on there, you will see the trailer for the film. It's super intense. Um, Daniel Radcliffe himself is a super, super cool guy. It was amazing. He is nothing like Harry Potter in real life. He's just a really, really cool dude. Um, uh, just super nice. And I really enjoyed working with him. Looking forward to working with him as well as other actors uh, at, at, the, at my earliest convenience. And like I said, if you get a chance, check out the trailer. Um, and, and thanks again. Go out there August 19th and check it out, and when you see my face, and you know what? If you have a chance, wear your Chamber 7 t-shirt with you. You know what I'm saying? We got some more of those t-shirts coming up soon. That's my other announcement. Uh, I, I have uh, been, ta- and been in talks with um, if anybody who's been paying attention to the show and you're a long-time listener. KW the Artisan, uh, an amazing feature that we had not too long ago, is going to be um, my graphic artist for some of my new shirts that are coming out. I've been kind of keeping that under wraps, but uh, he's going to help me out, and we're going to work together. And I've got new, cool, and interesting designs that are coming up here very soon, as well as reprints of the old designs with the twist on them. So uh, I'm going to add a couple things in here. I'm super, super excited about this, um, and I'm happy. Uh, here's the next uh, uh, thing that I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to bring on our last caller. Um, and then I got, I'm going to give you the rest of the announcements. Plus, i got some pieces that I want to spit to you here, too. Um, it was kind of a, a, a rough week for me, and I've got some really big decisions to make as far as, like, what my next step is with regards to my career and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at some things right now. I'm going to take these next couple weeks and make some very strong decisions. Uh, we've got a couple of new projects that are coming up very soon here, and, um, you know, I, I, I've had some that I kind of hit to. I haven't forgotten those. It's just going to take some time. Uh, so just keep your eyes open. Uh, Niame, I see you in the building. Uh, me and you need to talk because I know for a fact that your your play that's coming out, for those of y'all who don't know about it, um, uh, Men Always Leave is uh, coming up here very soon. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to, to, to spreading the word about your play. But 
that's it for right now. I got some more stuff to tell you here coming up very soon. So thank you for those of y'all who decided to stick around and hear those announcements and hear what's going on. Uh, I really appreciate the opinions of everybody. Oh, wait a minute, we got some more callers there. Check that out. All right, let me bring in this next caller here, and then we'll uh, we're on some different announcements here. Nine one nine three two seven. Who do we have on the line? Hello, it's Naima. <laughs> What's up? See, I, and I just happened to call you. Look at that. I just said your name five seconds ago. That's dope. What's cracking? What's going yes, on? you did. You did. You did. Ah, uh, so much is going on. Goodness, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, we do have the play, you know, that is fastly approaching. Um, yep. Men Always Leave is now um, actually published, which is great. Um, nice. Congratulations. Yeah, let me actually give you all that link while I'm on the line with you. Let me make sure drop I do it that. In, drop it in the link. Absolutely. <laughs> Gee, drop um, that in there. It was actually published, and I will be having the uh, – um, book fundraiser event this Saturday. Um, D.S. Williams will be on that with me. Words, my and Maya as well. Um, mm. Very excited about that one. Um, mm. Let's see what else I got. Uh, a lot happening in the world. <laughs> right? Wow. I know that that's the, the topic of today is uh, for you. It's everything that's been going on in the media lately. And uh, right. I do understand. I, um, last week was really hard for me. Um, I'm a very sensitive person. And every time that these public things happen in the media to our black men, our children, our women, it just makes me very, very sad. And so, like, from Wednesday on, I was just not in not in a good mood. Um, I think that we need to, in each one of our our cities across this nation, we really need to organize as a people and um, build some support systems and also learn what the laws are um, for each place and how we can. Um, protect ourselves because this is really out of control. Um, yeah. And we have to stop it, you know. We have to be a part of the solution. And I think also as artists, um, one of the things we need to do is collectively come together and um, create material that speaks to the time because it's very special that we have the ability to use our voices when so many can't or are not able to express um, in the ways that we can. So I think that it's really important that as artists um, of our communities that we lend our time and energy towards what's currently going on. Um, right. So that's what I have to say about it. <laughs> right. right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I sincerely and, appreciate that, but here's here's the cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, y'all just been on point. It's almost like, it almost feels like we arranged this, but we didn't, but you just brought up my next point. Um, okay. you just made mention of the fact that we as artists need to come together and yes. now here's my next announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to 
for anybody out there who is a photographer and anybody yes. out there who, asks, who has aspirations of being a model, I need you to mm-hmm. contact me immediately. I have a vision of what I would like to do. And you know what? I'm bold enough to tell you this. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a no-bullshitter if you okay. didn't notice, all right? Here's yep, my vision. I'm going to tell it to you, Naima, <laughs> and you listeners, and you're just going to have to hear about it, right? I was yeah, literally gotcha. walking out of a meeting at my job, and mm. one of my models, because I have a group of fellas that I work together with, and we model, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we, you know, we, we, that's how you see some of our pictures come up on on online every once in a while. Right, right. But one of one, of, so I talked to them, and I and I stopped him in the hallway because he happens to work at my job, and I said, "Yo, he holler at you real quick," and I kid you not. And I was approaching him to say we need to work on something. I approached him. This entire idea popped into my head. So this is my next announcement. Mm -hmm. All of us as black males and as as black women as well know about the talk. Right. The talk you have to have with your kids. You see what I'm saying? So here's Mm -hmm. what I want to do. And and I'm mm-hmm. sorry, like for if it, if it, if the photographer reaches out to me and says, yeah, I'm charging seventeen hundred dollars an hour, I'm sorry, we can't use you. Basically, what mm-hmm. I want is somebody who's willing to do this kind of project pro bono, and I'm including the models. I need the models to be pro bono. I need the photographers to be pro bono. But what I would like to do okay. is a campaign of pictures that show mm-hmm. parents in different environments having the talk with their children. Yo, that's so ill. Of all different types. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I love that idea. I love it. That is so So that's Ill. what I want to do. If, if you if you know some photographers, let I me know. know I want to have. I know some. And, and you oh, know I what? Know I need some. kids. I need adults. <laughs> blacks. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not yeah. leaving out white. I want to include interracial okay. families too. So if you're white okay. and you're a white male, you have a black wife, I need you in this picture. If you're a black Absolutely. male and you have a white wife, I need you in the picture. Latinos, I need everybody. Right. And then I want to take several pictures of different of different things and maybe even include some video. I would like to have a portfolio of us having the of talk. Of the talk. Yeah. Exactly. I really and like that. I, like I think that that's it. fabulous. You know, it's so interesting exactly talking I mean. about that because um, my son, who's only five, right, with all mm-hmm. this stuff happening, I'm like, I have no idea what he's going to hear in camp or school. Nothing. I don't know what yeah. he's going to see. I don't yeah. know. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's five. Right. <laughs> and I'm right. like, I'm going to have to tell him something about what's happening with this world. And so, right. you know, I had to sit down and I had to talk with him about, you know, you know, authority and people who he should be able to go to for help. And, you know, I mean, like, really talk to him about this. And he was like, well, you know, very confused as to why sometimes a police officer is not, you know, a good guy. And so I had to give him the breakdown of the differences and let him know that there are still very good police officers. Not everybody is this way. And he says, "Um, well, what if, we got the good police officer on our side and then we would have the armor. And right. I thought that that was so brilliant because he's only five. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So the 
fact that he, you know, came up with this, but the sad part about all of that is that's what's happening. That's the reality that we have to now have these conversations with our small children, with our with our right. boys who I feel like are more vulnerable to this violence than even me or even any little right. girl. You know what I'm saying? Right, Which is right. Just, it's just it's horrific. So um, I just, it's interesting because that had really did happen. And then you're talking about your vision about the talk. So I just like how things come full circle for me. It's just and, and exactly. <laughs> I told you, it's almost like we all rehearsed this, and I, and I sincerely appreciate that. That's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly and what listen, I wanted. So um, I, the woman I'm, that was on talking about, you know, her experience as, you know, in, in law enforcement and her husband in law enforcement and raising three boys, wouldn't it be fabulous to have them involved? I mean, that would be awesome. Just oh, saying. absolutely. <laughs> and here's the thing. Because, it, mm-hmm. and, and thank you, I'm glad you said that, because also as a yeah. part of that, I would absolutely positively love to have, like, actual police officers in this rendition, mm-hmm. because I want people to understand that the cops mm-hmm. need to have the talk, too. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. right. You know? Because the change has to come them. from within. The laws have to change. The, the, they have to change. And I think that one of the things that is interesting that I was speaking with my mother about it, I never thought about it this way, but she was like, I think that each police officer that does this, the act needs to be treated as if it's a terrorist attack. And I said, oh, my God. Whoa. She was like, I think if we raise the level <laughs> of um, basically of what awareness of it? accountable for, yeah, the severity of it, then maybe, right. you know, people will take it seriously. I said, you know, Mom, I do think that that's cool. But, see, my, my fear is that what if we really do start arresting these guys and then they just go appeal a decision and then they get, you know, they do something where they only are but in there for a shorter amount of time. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. But then that goes back to what the other lady was saying. We need to get up there and vote for the right legislation to make sure that happens. And we need to put right. the pressure on the local government, proper calls. Because when I see stuff like this congressman who came out there and said, hey, Black Lives Matter punks, we're coming after you, the real America is coming after you, and stuff like that, it makes me mm. wonder, if that's the way a former congressman feels, what do the current ones right. feel like? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's a so. really dangerous place that we are right now. And um, I really do think that as communities in our, you know, respective cities and towns, wherever we are, we have to do the work, you know, the legwork, not yeah. just protesting, not just boycotting. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, but, you know, so, this did come to me. Like, I was, like, having another conversation. It was like, okay, we boycott, like, Target, for example. And it's like, yeah, but so many black people are employed there. So right. let's right. really right. talk about what we're doing. Like, the change has to be different. This is... <laughs> this is 2016. Right. I'm not saying that the, 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 the foundation and the blueprint was already laid out. However, we have more than there ever was then. So oh, with I, that, we yeah. also have to start thinking differently. So the wheel has to be reinvented, still using what was already provided. That's really what has to happen. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, young lady, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to take up so much time without actually taking the time to um, give you an opportunity because I'm sure we have new listeners as well. Tell us some of the things Absolutely. that you have going on in a positive sense that's going to give us a, a, a bit of a shine in the right direction for the black community. <laughs> sure. You know I mean? So, 
I happen to be working, um, as you know, with my play, uh, Men Always Leave. Um, it is a um, wonderful play. It's spun out of a poem, as you know, spoken word poem. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just having so much fun doing it as a director. Um, I do have um, the material, a soul hip-hop band that is a part of um, this cast, which uh, they are just bringing such an amazing, um, diverse feel for me <laughs> with the music, and I'm just really enjoying that. So I'm working on that. Um, I did mention the book fundraiser will be happening next Saturday. Um, what else? I'm developing some new projects, working on some new things coming up in a few weeks, so I'm excited about that. Um, um, just networking, building and growing, you know. I see. Starting to I see. know a lot of people in theater here, so I'm excited about that. And so nice. Things are really, really moving in uh, the right direction. And the Women's Theater Festival uh, does kick off July 30th, uh, starting with our Occupy um, event. I will drop some links into this page so y'all can have that. Um, but, yes, it starts July 30th and goes all the way to September 4th. So definitely come out and see all or some of the plays that are happening because they just it's simply amazing right, that right. the way that we were all able to come together and, and, and do this thing. So that's, that's what's happening. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal. Well, thank you so much. And as always, I appreciate you coming in and um, sharing uh, love and light to you. Uh, make sure, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. if you're in the area, uh, men always leave is the name of the place. So come on through, check it out, um, show your support. Uh, this is how we make it through. This is what we do. We we gotta give that love and light to everybody. All right. So uh, thank you so much, Naomi. Did you did you have anything else you wanted to share with us? Are you good? You everything straight? Uh yeah. One more thing. Um, July twenty eighth, I am doing poetry again. Forty four Soul Cafe. Word. Uh, for the okay. throwback concert. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I think I'm done for now. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't see it, it's already in um in in the uh the Facebook I can't even get the words out. It's already in the middle yeah, of the it's, okay. it's got the it's got it posted, it's in Barnes and Noble. Make sure you click on the link, you can get it yourself. Uh super, super stoked mm-hmm. about that. Really appreciate you. Um, thank you so much. Um it it's been an honor and a privilege to have met you and to work with you and uh, looking forward to working with you again. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Stick around for us. we got a few more calls, and then we'll round out the show I in will. the next 15 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Naima. Uh, make sure you check out the, the, the book. If you can't make it into North Carolina, make sure you at least check out the, the book. It's uh, in Barnes & Noble. It's called Men Always Leave. Um, super, super stoked about that. Um, like I told you, I met that young lady at a show. Uh, and I have, I like, it's been an honor and a privilege to have had uh, the chance to, to meet her, work with her, share stage with her, and so on. Um, thank you again for everybody who's, uh, for all the congratulations on the show. I really, really, it's a lot of hard work to get into a film. It's a lot of hard work. First, it's a lot of hard work to get the audition. Uh, shout out to Sylvia Hudson. Shout out to um, uh, my very close personal friend, Angela, Angie Lundy, um, who's now in L.A., banging it out, trying to make some things work out. Uh, after the, after you get the audition, the next hardest thing is actually scoring the, the role through the audition. Uh, I had to go up two or three times to make it happen, and then right after that, the, the next thing is to actually get up there and shoot it, film it. And a lot of people think it's super easy, but what you see one time on film is not once. Uh, you got to repeat that thing four and five times to make it happen. So uh, it was a lot of hard work. Um, I, I, 
but to me it didn't feel like work. It felt like felt like home. If you want the truth, uh, I feel the most comfortable when I'm um, bringing a character to life, or when I am I am the voice of the people, so to speak, is what I feel like. Uh, it was super dope for me. Um, yeah, got one more caller, and then uh, yeah, we're gonna finish off the rest of the show here. Two zero one seven six three. Two zero one seven six three. Who do we have on the line? Good evening to you. Watch this. Yeah, you know, late good evening. This is Sister Rosalind Cherry, a.k.a. Cherry Bomb of WKPJB. Nice. I just want to say congratulations to you. And I also want to add Thank a few you comments. So I know it was near the end. You know, I've been out there doing sure. what I do. That's what we do part of the show. We turn around, we network, and we get a chance to be on the air. First off, I want to right. say right. we like what we see. In the neighborhoods, we don't like what we see blood stains. We don't like what we see on the news. We don't like what we see on the streets. But we have the voice, you know. I was mm-hmm. one of the people back in the days that worked in the law field. A lot of people don't know mm-hmm. that. I also was beaten, okay, while I wore my mm-hmm. uniform. A lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. but I'm putting it out there. But I also was a person that cared about the community. I never forgot where I came in, right. where I came from, partner. I took people in, okay? I also made sure that a lot of people didn't go to jail, like as in juvie. I took people that were stray, seriously, from the street that were homeless and brought them in the house even though they stole from me. Always try to find another way to say, hey, you know, you don't have to be part of the street. Don't you want better? Your mother might not love you. Your father might not love you, but I love you. I care for the community. I made phone calls and I was out there. Until, unfortunately, I became disabled. I'm not going to say which part of the law, but I did work in the law division. So what I'm trying to say out here to the people, that a lot of times, a lot of people forget about love. A lot of times I express that on my page, love and blessings, you know what I'm saying? And we always got to pray. It's about the community. It's about the capital. It's about the people, knowing who your mayors are. You know what I'm saying? There are some people who should not be in uniforms because they're just those bad apples. But remember those people, too, right. do care. So we have to turn around and break down that division of who's the good person and who's the bad person. And a lot of times people right, right, are right. taught, you know, they go out the door and we have to pray that they come back in the door. I'd be scared for my brother because right. he goes out there and work every day. You know, we have to worry about buildings, but we can't live in fear. If we live in fear, then everybody will have their doors locked every day. So what I'm saying to the right. people out there, that, you know, when we go out there, always pay attention to your surroundings. You know what I'm saying? But right. keep in mind that one day things going to be right. One day. We have to hold on to that fact because if we think about everything that we see, and I say it again, no, we do not like what we see. We don't. Right. It's happening too many times. Too many lives are being taken. I feel you. It bothers me sometimes when I look at TV. It bothers me when I pick up a magazine. It bothers me when I read the newspaper. But thank God up in heaven for the times that I'm sick. And somewhere up there in the cloud, God is looking down and saying, you know what, I see that too. And things are going to be taken care of. Is there injustice? Of course there is. Do some people walk from Mm -hmm. the things that they shouldn't be walking from? Yes, it is. But not everybody is the same. Because, see, at that time when I was doing what I was doing, I was one of those people that cared. I cared about the community. I cared about my people, and I still care about my people. I talked to a lot of youths out there today. Where's your books at? Did you go to the library? Did you tell your mother and father that I love you? Don't curse at your grandparents. Give your aunt and uncle a hug. Saying you're the next generation. 
coming up, be somebody. I just wanted to say this real quick piece, and that's just what I was feeling. And when you're ready, I'm ready. Absolutely. Always ready. Give it to us. Okay. Someday I want to be somebody. I see darkness in the street. Somebody just got shot. Somebody's going to ring somebody's bell. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I see somebody dressed in black. There's some angry faces out there in the world today. Hey, brother, you ain't got to go out there and be turning around cursing about the things that's going down, going down. I'm tired of seeing the frowns up in the neighborhood. You better turn around. You got a voice. You better speak out. I know about these protests. You're trying to tell me what to do. You better back up. Hey, brother, slow down. What about you, my sister? I see you walking real fast. What's up with you and this group? You better turn down. You better walk around with some pride and some dignity. Hold your head up high. Well, I got to hold my head up high. Ain't nothing turn around right. What's that up in your pocket? You better back up. This sister here. See, I know all about the streets. See, you talking about you want to be cool. You got to self-educate yourself. When was the last time you picked up a book? When was the last time you turned around and respected your mother, your father that turned around and appreciate you? What about some clothes you got on? What about every time you're the evolution? You better stand back. If you don't know your history, pick up a book. You see, this was not Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. He died for us. Untimely death. Remember Malcolm X. So what I'm trying to say out here in this well, in this world today, you better find some men of peace. See, I get down on my knees and I pray every day. I'm praying for some kind of way that we can find something better to the solution. But we got to reach up high. I want to reach up high. See, I looked up in the sky and I turned around and I thanking God because, see, on this day I was able to rise. I know about the solution. But you see, everybody's not on the same page. See, we got all kinds of things that's constriction and it's crazy. And sometimes it drives me out of my mind. But then a whisper came as the window was opening up. I seen this bright sun. The grass can get greener on the other side. See? I'm going to be that sister that's going to be strong. I'm going to try to be the one that make a difference. Reflections of one child's eyes to another generation. We got to turn around. We got to live. We got to be the ones that spoken. Don't you see? This is why I write my poetry. Because you see, I'm that sister that's always going to look for peace. In peace. That's me, the poet. Always going to speak up for what I don't see, what I don't like, what I do feel. I know that somewhere we can do this hand in hand. We got to find a solution in peace. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only Cherry Bomb of WKPJB Radio stopping through to give us some words of wisdom. We sincerely appreciate you and all your work, ma'am. Yes, indeed, so much. Thank you very, very much for coming through. All right, my brother. I'll see you soon. And thank you for the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hands Excellent. and blessings out to everybody. Thank Absolutely. Thank you. The ha- peace and blessings to you, sister. Thank you. Uh, that was the cherry bomb in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been, once again, a great show. Uh, however, that is not the end of my announcements. I know several of you uh, were expecting that to be it. If you did want to share anything in the next, like, two seconds, make sure you raise your hand right now. Um, I just want to say that I thank you all. 
I stepped into this position as the the full-time host of WKPJB Radio uh, almost two years ago. Um, best friend, Chris Dan's Blue Funk, as you better know him, uh, has not been on with me for some time. He's been uh, working out some issues on his end, and he is doing very well, uh, I have to say. So I, I shout out to him for assisting me in carrying this mantle. However, as much as I appreciate all of your praises and everything that you've told me and, and everything that, that has been said about what we're doing, um, I do have to let you know that this is one of the few shows that we're not going to be able to uh, to do anymore because we've got, with that said, I've had a very real talk discussion with Jamie Vaughn as well as calligraphy pen. Um, and coming up very soon, I will be passing the mantle back to the crew, and I'm going to step down as the host of the show for a while because I've got some work to do and I need to focus my energy on that. Um, that does not mean that I won't be back on occasion. That does not mean I won't occasionally co-host a few times. But for the time being, I've got some challenges and some things that I need to take care of. So um, next week we'll have a show. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. We have one more show after this one where we will have the crew come together and we'll pass the mantle formally. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know ahead of time that, that uh, it has been amazing. It's been a wonderful blessing. And we've decided to have an August 3rd reunion show and let everybody know. Next week is my 40th birthday, July the 21st. Uh, all the things that I had originally planned to do on my birthday, I can't really do right now because of, you know, some other situations going on. Uh, we've got some important things that I need to tackle. And, of course, these important things were too inconsiderate to wait until after to before my birthday. So uh, I appreciate each and every single one of you. I thank you for your voices. Um, we will be back. Make sure you download the show. Look out for the YouTube version of the show where we're gonna, I'm going to pull all these shows out and I'm going to put them on YouTube so it's a little bit easier for you to get to. Um, but, again, I thank you. This is Chamber 7. Uh, this is WKPJB Radio. I sincerely appreciate you. Make sure you stay tuned for the August 3rd reunion show where we pass the mantle back to the original owners and Chamber 7 steps down for a moment to try to work on some new and interesting things. So love and light to each and every single one of you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for this amazing, amazing venue. Um, peace and blessings to all of our audience members and everything that we've been through. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot of really interesting and cool things coming up. August 19th, make sure you check out Imperium, starring Daniel Radcliffe, and yours truly, Sean Singletary. Uh, many, many more projects coming up. All right? Y'all have a great night. I love each and every single one of y'all. Peace and bless.